0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This is it. The time has come. Fight Night Fury vs. Valin preview on Talk Sports. All the buildup ahead of Tyson Fury's showdown with Otto Valin, live from Las Vegas with Adam Catterall and Nick Pete on Talk Sports. Oh.
2: Welcome to Fight Night on Talk Sport. It is Saturday night and as usual, your home for boxing is right here. We're on location this week. We are in Las Vegas. Tyson Fury, Otto Varlin, all goes down on BT Sport Box Office in the early hours of the morning. I'm Adam Catterall. Alongside me, Nick Peet has made the travel. It seems that me and you are just jet-setting around the world at this moment in time. Anybody that's listening to the show might think to themselves, these boys are having a right old laugh. It all stops on Sunday. We all go back home to our normal lives. Yes, I've do. been in Abu Dhabi and now Las Vegas. And the week previous, actually, we were in London We, uh, Vassil Lomachenko. We've had uh, three back-to-back weeks, haven't we? Sensational weeks. Uh, and uh, in a few hours' time, we'll be going off to the uh, T-Mobile Arena to watch Tyson Fury, or, or should I say... El Rey, as he is now referring Rey, to himself, yes. is um, basically uh, coming with a mariachi band, maybe a sombrero, <laughs> a poncho, maybe eating a fajita as he's making his way. I know that sounds very stereotypical, but it is Mexican Independence Weekend this weekend. There's loads of Mexican uh, people that have uh, come down to Vegas to celebrate their independence and Tyson Fury is 100% embracing it because he has gone full Mexican on them, and they seem to be liking it as well.
3: They're absolutely loving it. You know, there's there's all talk here as well of uh, potentially seeing uh, Chavez or Barrera or Morales, you know, these Mexican absolute icons, these legends, uh, walking Tyson to the ring. I can't see that. I think that's a bit far-fetched. We're getting a bit carried away now, but listen, he's absolutely taken to this week. You know, I, I wasn't here... Uh, for his, for his last fight against Schwartz, but just soaking it all in. This guy is absolutely made for Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is made for Tyson Fury.
2: Mm. Um, regarding Vegas fight nights, because we're going to talk Tyson, of course we are. We've got, we've got loads of guests on the show as well. David Hayes is going to be having a little bit of a, a chat. Josie Parker is joining us as well. We'll speak to Frank. We'll speak to Bob. We'll speak to everybody that we can get our hands on. Um, but regarding big Vegas fight nights, I mean, we spoke about it on this show on many occasions. You were actually part of the fan club rather than the actual journalist pack that went to go and watch Ricky Hatton yeah. in his nights down here. And, of course, we haven't, we haven't seen those nights as of yet come back to Las Vegas. But you, you're right in what you said two seconds ago. This guy, this Gypsy King, he's absolutely built for this place. Yes. Once we get through this, and hopefully we get to see the Wilder rematch at the start of next year, I can't see it going anywhere else. No other than Well, Las they've Vegas. said the
3: contract is done. February 22nd, Las Vegas,
2: the second fight will happen. Well, with that then in mind, do you think next February we might then start to see those times that we got to see in the back end of 2009 and what have you, when Ricky Hatton was coming off here? Because I reckon that there will be a serious following once the big fight's in town, and that big fight is obviously Wilder.
3: Yeah, the difference here, of course, Otto Wallen isn't Deontay uh, isn't Wilder. He isn't Anthony Joshua, he isn't Andy Ruiz, he isn't what you would grade in a top-level heavyweight. Uh, But that's certainly no reason why Tyson Fury will take his eye off the ball here later today because uh, Otto Wallen is a live threat, and if he ever needed reminded about that, check out who's got most of the belt in this weight division now, Andy Ruiz, who stepped in at late notice and uh, and ended the campaign of Anthony Joshua. So... um, you're right about the fans. There hasn't been the kind of invasion that we used to see with Ricky Hatton, that it was fortunate I was here for Mayweather as a fan and Pachy, I was a journalist. Um, two huge fights, but it was literally the, the whole of Las Vegas was turned sky blue on those occasions. Um, We haven't seen that kind of invasion this time around with Tyson Fury, but those were much bigger fights. Those Mm. were legacy fights in the career of Ricky Hatton. When we see Tyson Fury in those similar legacy fights, I think then we'll get a huge invasion from the UK over here because, listen, as you well know, we're all looking for an excuse to come to Las Vegas. Of course
2: we are. They're just getting that out there now, just in case the wife's listening to the show this evening. (laughs) Um, The only reason I bring that up is because I was lucky enough to be in LA when Fury fought Wilder that first time round. And the atmosphere inside the Staples Centre that night, it was crazy. You could have been in central Manchester at that particular time. But around LA, I wouldn't have known that the fight was going on. There was yep. nothing. like you get getting taxis throughout the course of the week. Nobody knew that the fight was happening. You, you speak to people in restaurants and bars. Oh, why are you in town? Oh, am here for the fight. What fight's that? They didn't know. Vegas is very different. Now, okay, we haven't got to the stage of major fandom as of yet. They're not singing in the streets as of yet, no. in their tens of thousands. They are doing it in their thousands. Don't get me wrong, there's fans here and the are here to enjoy themselves, but when we were here with Ricky, we're talking 30-odd thousand people just going crazy, right? Yep. What, one thing that I will say is that you know there's a fight on. If, even if you're not here for the fight, you know there's something on. This man's face is all over billboards. He's all over the television screens. He's not just talking about sport. He's talking about mental health. He's talking about all different aspects of stuff. People know... Tyson Fury now here in America. Yeah. Whether it be off the back of the Wilder fight, which probably is the catalyst for all this, and his fantastic story of where he was weight-wise and where he was with his mental health to where he is right at this moment in time, it's most certainly resonated because everywhere you go, every hotel you, you, you pop into, there's some reference to this fight. And everybody, yes. if you say, I'm here for the fight, ah. Oh, The big Gypsy King, Gypsy King. I'm here for the Gypsy King, man. He's a guy, isn't he? Of course. Uh, They they really seem to have fallen in love with him here.
3: Yeah, and you know the stage is set. It's Mexican Independence Weekend, obviously. Hence the the whole Mexican thing in and around the fight, Um, and, and fight fans well in advance will book this this date in their diaries and we'll have Las Vegas certainly on the on the agenda for this weekend. Certainly if you're a Mexican fight fan, it's usually Canelo weekend as we know, well know. Canelo Alvarez usually has this date in Las Vegas. His fight has now been confirmed with Sergei Kovalev for later in the year. In step the Gypsy King, in step Tyson Fury to take one of the, the biggest dates on the on the calendar. So, he, uh, Talk
2: to me about that for a stroke of genius, because this yeah. has always oh, been a, huge. this has always been building up, building up. It's always a breakout thing. Obviously, the last one with Tom Schwartz, he comes out as a Apollo Creed, it does him in two rounds, he makes a statement, everybody's starting to fall for him. But then to actually announce that he's fighting on this particular weekend to 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 appeal to a, a new set of eyes that maybe weren't paying too much interest in him at that particular point, I think he's a marketing stroke of genius to step in when. Traditionally, everybody's ready to watch a Mexican fight to do yeah. their thing this weekend.
3: Absolutely, and we'll get top rank. you know, uh, icon uh, Bob Arum. We'll get his take on that later in the show, I'm sure. But with Tyson Fury, his his ability to control a room, his ability to have fans fall in love with him, you know, he's got that X factor, hasn't he? Not just inside the ring, but certainly outside of it. And that is so vital in modern sports, to be able to sell yourself and to sell your sport to the wider masses you're right, the Mexican audience are tuned into this fight this weekend. The card's littered. It's an international-laced card, but the card's littered with a couple of Mexican fights as well, just to make sure those eyeballs are taking attention. But you better believe that they will be looking at Tyson Fury. Now, whether that is a potential future opponent for the new king of Mexico, Andy Ruiz Jr., uh, the heavyweight champion of the world, maybe they'll be looking at, from that point of view, or maybe they'll just be looking at Tyson for the first time to say, okay, let's see what this big gypsy king, let's see what this guy, this lineal heavyweight champion, this undefeated guy, that ended the Klitschko reign that, you know, was so dominant for so long before he had his troubles and has come back and, you know, had two fights against reported bums before he stepped in against Deontay Wilder and had that mesmerising moment in the Staples Centre. Let's go and engage with this guy. Let's see what he's all about. So the pressure's on Tyson as usual, but the way he's been all fight week this week, I'm expecting nothing but fireworks later on uh, down at the T-Mobile Arena because, again... Tyson Fury is made for these moments. He doesn't freeze. The moment won't get to. Never does. Never. It doesn't matter how big the magni- magnitude of the fight is, no matter whether he's the underdog, the favorite. If we're in Germany, we're in London, we're in Dublin, we're in Manchester, we're in Los Angeles, or we're in Las Vegas, the gypsy king turns up every time.
2: How much can young fighters learn from Tyson Fury just regarding I'm talking from a publicity point of view because we're going to talk a little bit later on in the show about KSI, Logan Paul and you know YouTubers headlining cards where there's world champions fighting on the undercard and what that is all about and we've got maybe a very different opinion to a lot of traditional boxing fans uh, on the development and the rise of this game and how you go about doing it Tyson Fury most certainly when you're when you seeing him talking obviously he's found his thing the mental health thing Yes, it's resonating with a lot of people He's on the big talk shows. He's on the majority of mainstream television here in the United States of America, and he's sharing his story. What type of lessons can young fighters take from that in how they go about growing their brand, you know, and, and kicking on their career? Because you have to do more than just fight.
3: Yeah, of course. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? About how fighters, a lot of a lot of young fighters, and fight, you know what, fighters across the board dread media. They dread speaking to the media. They feel intimidated by it. Media Day is the last thing they want to do during fight week. They they don't like putting themselves out there. Tyson Fury is the exact opposite. He understands how this sport works. He understands this is show business at the end of the day. It's about selling yourself to the home audience. It's about getting out there. And more than anything, it's about having an idea of what you're going to say when you get in there. You have an agenda before. Don't wait for the question. Don't wait for the right question to come to you. Mm. Come with the right answer. Tyson Fury turns up in the Luchador mask and the you know the sombrero we'll probably see later on. You know he, he knows what market he's catering for this weekend. It's the Mexican market, mm. so he's playing heavily on the Mexican angle. But he's telling his story as being somebody from the UK, from you know a, a gypsy background and all this kind of stuff, and how he too. Felt like a, a bit of a stranger in someone else's land. You know, the journey he's sold here has been fantastic. And there's so many Mexicans go, okay, I can relate to this guy now. Mm. I can relate to this guy from Manchester in the UK because of the way his lineage has come through, the way my lineage has come through. It's been an incredible, it's been a, you know, a, a real piece of work this week. It, it, it's, a, it, it's sensational salesmanship from top rank from Tyson Fury, but you can only do that with the right type of fighter and Tyson Fiori I truly believe is a once in a generation fighter mm.
2: uh, This weekend obviously he's taking on Otto Wallen going down in the early hours of Sunday morning on BT Sport Box Office we're anticipating a show we're anticipating a fantastic ring and like you said maybe some greats along the way maybe his shorts has, uh, has got their faces embroiled into him in some way shape or form but he's got to do it in the ring it can't be one of those situations where you know, we dance around for 12 rounds and everybody goes, is that it? Yeah. Tom Schwartz, perfect. Went in, gave us a couple of highlight reel moments, got rid of the guy. He's kind of got to do the same thing again, hasn't
3: he? Yes, he absolutely has. You know, also Wallen, completely different fighter from Schwartz. Southpaw, 6'6", big guy. Another undefeated guy, of course. Comes here with a lot of confidence. And we saw yesterday at the at the face-off, at the weigh-in, uh, it was Wallen that actually instigated the, the bit of a nose to nose, and he was he was already trash talking against Tyson. He was already letting Tyson know that he's not here to make up the numbers. That this is Otto Wallen's chance to cash in a lottery check, and likewise, uh, you know, we, Andy Ruiz may, may stand as a stark reminder to Tyson Fury that he can't underestimate anybody. But Andy Ruiz should also be a stark reminder to Otto Wallen that what can happen if you take these kind of opportunities, roll a dice, get a win against a big name like Tyson Fury, he can change his life here tomorrow, tonight
2: tomorrow, tonight, today. (laughs) I know why you did that because you're obviously catering for uh, an English audience listening yes. to us back home it's today <laughs> always, for us it's, yeah. t- it's tomorrow for you that's, <laughs> where that, that's where we're at at this moment in time uh, do stick with us this is Fight Night on Talk Sport all in association with BT Sport Box Office as I said we've got a host of guests coming your way I think we'll go to Bob Arum next because you had a little bit of a sit down with him didn't you about just the development of his own brand mm-hmm. maybe bringing some of his top class top ranked talent to the UK to fight a little bit more so we get to see the likes of Lomachenko and obviously uh, Crawford a little bit more often in, on UK soil, which nobody's going to complain about, no doubt, uh, but also get his take on Tyson and Fury because, let's remember, Bob Aaron's a man that used to promote Muhammad Ali, and I've no doubt he's got a few things to say on that next. So stick with us. This is Talk Sport.
3: There's a thousand
0: pretty women waiting out there They're all living, the devil may care And I'm just a devil with no despair So Bieber, Las Vegas. Bieber,
4: Las Vegas.
2: You're listening to Talk Sport, this is Fight Night. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. We are in Las Vegas... The Tyson Fury versus Otto Vallin all going down in the early hours of Sunday morning on BT Sport Box Office. Fight fans, get yourself in there because you know it's going to be a show when Tyson Fury's in town. There will be a sombrero, there will be a mariachi band, and there will be a bit of tequila afterwards, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we're at that after party, Yes, man. please. Hopefully we get invited, Tyson. Um, now then, um, one man that has kind of been influential in the rise of Tyson Fury in America in particular is uh, Hall of Fame... Uh, promoter Bob Aaron. Nick stuck his microphone in his face. That's not a euphemism, by the way. He went to go and see Bob. Had a little bit of a sit-down with him in the chat uh, and basically get the lowdown on his take on the Gypsy King.
3: I want to ask you, Bob, particularly an announcement this week about top rank coming to the UK. Super exciting times.
5: Yeah, it is exciting time. I mean, we really believe that we can make a contribution uh, to the uh, fight uh, situation in the United Kingdom, which is very, very strong. Uh, I hope to bring over attractions from all over the world uh, to fight in the UK. And we, with our connection with MTK, uh, we have uh, uh, fighters uh, that are homegrown, uh, that we can uh, exhibit. And we think we can make a big contribution. Have you got a TV deal done yet, Bob? Oh, well, we will. We will. We're working on that. That's falling into place. We have a lot of uh, uh, television and streaming people uh, talking to us uh, for uh, our product. Do you understand? What we have learned, one of the things we learned from the Lomachenko fight, is if we have a fighter who is very very popular in the United States can be popular other places in the world but in the United States we can put them on in the evening in England and bring them over in the afternoon timing wise in the United States because I remember in the 70s and 80s in the heyday of boxing in the United States most of the fights were on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon So with the Lomachenko fight, which did a huge, huge, uh, 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 had a huge impact on ESPN Plus, with many new subscribers, with old subscribers watching, they were over the moon about the result. And they're encouraging us to do more events uh, in Europe, in the U.K., uh, to bring them over to the United States on a Saturday and, or Sunday afternoon. Obviously, you can't do it Sunday during football season, but that's just like a five months. The other seven months, you know, great, great uh, opportunities. So that's what we're looking to do. So when you say about a, a deal with the U.K. television, we'll have that. But again, our major market is in the United States and you can't do gates any place else in the world as consistently as you can in the UK because the fight fans wanna come out and watch a fight in person. Why after all these years come to the UK now, Bob? Again, because of our deal with ESPN and ESPN Plus and now the light bulb went off, Uh, hey, more fights we can do Saturday and Sunday afternoon, the better it is because it frees up a lot of time where there's such tremendous competition. We'll continue to do, say, about 18 fights uh, in the United States in prime time, but I would like to do 12 fights in Europe and UK uh, every year.
3: Everyone that was at the O2 two weeks ago for Lomachenko realized that it felt like the beginning of something a bit special. Are we going to see Lomachenko based out of the UK in the short term? Uh, yeah, I mean,
5: I want you, uh, Lomachenko to fight. He, 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 you know, the world deserves Lomachenko. They deserve to see him. I'd like him to fight in Eastern Europe. I think we're arranging that. Maybe the East, certainly the UK and the United States. Uh, Loma belongs to the world I think he epitomizes what's best tech, uh, as a technician in the sport of boxing and the and the f- fans all over the world deserve to see him in person
3: Is it fighters like Lomachenko and Tyson Fury that keep you going in your ripe age? Of
5: course and, uh, and the kids that we had up here today these Mexican kids Mexican American kids that are you know Looking for the sport of boxing uh, to provide for their families and for their futures. I mean, that's what keeps me going. I mean, it's not only the big stars, but it's the guys who are struggling to be known. I mean, we got a kid on this card, this never-ready kid, uh, who could be a future tremendous star. He really a gutsy warrior. Uh, Pedraza Zapata. They're gonna fight to the end. I mean, I can't wait to see that fight. Uh, uh, The kid from the Philippines, I mean, my God, Flash Alordi was legendary, and now his grandson is fighting at this level. That's terrific for the sport of boxing.
3: Tyson Fury headliner on a Mexican holiday weekend. When it was originally out, it, it, it felt kind of a strange fit, but hearing you explain it today, it's a perfect fit.
5: Perfect fit, exactly, exactly, because... You know, let's be honest about it. Fury, as many travelers have felt, they were outsiders in England and in Europe. And, you know, we know the stories with the travelers. You know, how mistreated they were. And so a guy like Fury, without putting on act or anything, can identify with Mexicans. Perfect, perfect fit. Do you think the Mexican audience are going to take to him as well? I Sure, that's the purpose of it. You know, my job is to build Tyson Fury up so that when he gets into major pay-per-view fights, he has a tremendous fan base. And as uh, excited as the fan base is in the UK, you know, you have great fans there, no question about it. The fan base in the United States, the best one, is... The Mexican, Mexican American, and that's whom he's appealing to. And down the road, it's going to help him considerably.
2: He's always good for a soundbite, He's is Bob, isn't he?
3: He certainly knows how to sell a fight, doesn't he? He doesn't, if yeah. you noticed, he does never waste a word. Everything he says is poignant to the point and is all about the sale of the show. I yeah. love
2: it. Even uh, when I mean, that interview that you did with him took place shortly after the press conference. Now, Christina Poncha who is uh, a lady over here who works for ESPN she calls quite a lot of fights actually she commentates on a lot of stuff but she does a lot of reporting and she hosts the uh, I, fe- I felt so f- sorry for her because she was hosting the press conference and I thought to myself why has Bob given Christina the role that he just wants to do himself <laughs> he was taking the microphone off her and going no Christina this is what I want to talk about now I want to talk about the undercard I want to talk about this I want to talk about that and Christina's like going OK, you're so a bit redundant, which is a shame, really, because she's a fantastic presenter, but Bob just took over. Like you say, he knows exactly what he's doing. This is not his first rodeo. He is, uh, he's been doing this for many, many years, and he's been around Muhammad Ali. Interesting, I know it's a sales job, right, yeah. and, loads of, and we shouldn't get sucked in with a sales job, but he does often refer to Muhammad Ali when he's talking about Tyson Fury. It's crazy.
3: He does, yeah, because obviously Tyson is... A big, dominant heavyweight that has got the world media eaten out of the palm of his hands. And he's also got the kind of intimidating record that proves that he's legitimately a heavyweight that could have potentially survived in any era of the sport. His style, his fast hands, his fast feet, but more than anything else, his intelligence in there, Tyson Fury means that you could argue he could have hung in the 70s, the 80s, in the, in the halcyon days of the heavyweight
2: division. I don't think there's any doubt. He's, he's Because of the size of him and because Absolutely. of the way that he moves, Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt that he could hang with the majority of heavyweights. In fact, all the heavyweights that have ever been. I'm not saying he beats them all. That's not what I'm saying. He could definitely mix it with them.
3: I think what Bob's trying to get to as well is not only has he got the ability that he could have mixed with anybody of any generation it's the way he handles the media, it's the way he sells himself, it's the way he sells the show he just gets it. Tyson is a fighting man to his core and he knows how to promote an event
2: mm. I like that, right? Melissa who looks after us from top rank is basically she refuses to talk to us now anymore <laughs> Melissa sorts us out with all our interviews and now what she's done, she's just written a note and just thrown it on the desk <laughs> and then decided to clear <laughs> off Do you want to say hello to the lovely people back <laughs> home uh, on TalkSport
6: hello everyone at TalkSport there
2: you go I'll let you, I'll let you get on with your work now you can crack on with the rest of your day what are you doing there you're just leaving us a little note just of what should we should be doing there just, you go just lads. leaving us notes there yeah. you go you're going to the what? I'm going to the pool, mate. Well, clear off. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear about <laughs> boxing. That's what they want to hear about. Melissa's going for a bit of a sunbed. We'll get stuck into uh, into this and pre-fight uh, for, uh, for Tyson Fury and Otto Wallin. a tan on for the fight. Listen, we, we can't, sadly, because we've got lots of people to be talking to on the show. We've heard from Bob, of course, and I think it's only fair that we hear from uh, Frank Warren as well, because uh, we were very lucky to go to his uh, very plush suite. Very weren't we? Uh, we had a little bit of a sit down with him. So there's a couple of sections coming up now. We, Frank, we'll talk obviously Tyson Fury, but I wanted to get stuck into other stuff as well, talking maybe a bit of Daniel Dubois and Josh Warrington and, and what's happening with some of the other fighters that Queensbury uh, are in control of. Uh, so that's coming up. We've got David Hay to come on the show. Josie Parker's in yep. town. We've got uh, various other people ben as Davidson. well. Ben Ben Davidson. Actually, you—that's uh, the first time you've had a good sit down with Ben. Yeah, and you were quite impressed with him, actually, weren't you?
3: Very impressed. Yeah, really good guy. Got his really got his head screwed on, and and uh, you know, for for a guy that's gone from kind of zero to hero, his career has just completely exploded in the last eighteen months, two years. Um, but I was just surprised how well his feet are planted on the ground. And he well. realizes that he's got a lot of learning to do, but he also realizes that he's in a very enviable position, and he's excited for what his future is going to be in boxing.
2: No, he comes across really well and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll feel the same way once you uh, hear Nick sit down with him a little later on. I'm Adam Catterall. Nick Pete is with me here in Las Vegas for Tyson Fury versus Otto Varlin. Like I said, it does go down on BT Sport Box Office in the early hours of the morning in the UK. Uh, so get yourself involved with it. Stick with us. We are your official build-up towards that fight. And as I've just said, Frank Warren's coming up next. Uh, You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport, on location in Las Vegas. And uh, when we're on location in Las Vegas, we come to the very best suite in Las Vegas and we come and hang out with Mr. Frank Warren. How are you, sir? You good?
7: I'm hanging in there, yeah, enjoying myself. Uh, Can't wait for Fight Night.
2: What do you make now of these Tyson Fury fight weeks? Because, as we spoke last time, he does take over. And then, obviously, on the night, he brings us an unbelievable walkout. He really embraces everything that's going on around him. And then puts on a performance. And this week he's absolutely no difference. He's actually gone full Mexican. Well, he is, and he's
7: you know, and he's quite obviously quite aware it's uh, Mexican Independence Weekend. It's a big holiday for the uh, Hispanic population out here, Mexican Hispanics. And he's uh, he just takes, as you say, he takes over. He's he's larger than life character. He's got this uh, fantastic, charismatic personality that you know, once people are around him, he lights up a room. And uh, the press conference, for example, yesterday, if he hadn't been there. He's been pretty dull, but he's you know he just he just you know gets the whole thing going and he's 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 quite on the ball. He's very sharp and uh, he's he's enjoying it, which is the most important thing for him.
2: Are you are you surprised at how well the American journalists have taken to him? We've been used to him for years, but he's come over here and he really seems to have caught their imagination as well.
7: Well, I think you know in this day and age, more so in boxing, boxing you know boxers are quite approachable, but other sports. It's very difficult to even interview people isn't it or sportsmen, because you've got to go through agents and whatever and they don't want basically you basically just can't get to them and boxing's is becoming a little bit like you know football now but he's a bit of a man of the people he's very approachable and he enjoys it and i've, I've mentioned it a few times and maybe i've said it's you uh you watched that old movie when we were kings mohammed Ali, and, and i got and i'm old enough to talk about you know the, the journalists who around in those days he was a journalist dream you couldn't get rid of him you know they weren't like oh look i've got to get away i've got to do something they at the end of the day wanted to get away once they was there he was with them and he's got a bit of that about him hasn't he so he's, he sits down and he'll talk and it leads on to something else and something else and obviously they, you know you get your story out of it but he's very approachable
3: and he is a man of the people that's what he is is it going to be tough now frank to see him fight back in the uk
7: no, we was funny. We was talking. I was talking to him about it um, yesterday, and uh, I mean, at the moment, he's, he's, his contract is what it is. What we agreed to do, which is get a couple of fights out here to build his profile, and this is the second one. And then, you know, and then I don't want to take anything for granted, you know. in these big heavyweights, anything can happen. But if he comes through this, then February, and there's a date penciled in in February for the fight with him and Deontay. It's all signed so fingers crossed nothing goes wrong for him and also for Deontay who's still yet to announce the date for his fight against Ortiz which I think they're doing in the next few weeks so he's going to fight in November and providing both the guys come through we get the, the rematch and hopefully get his
3: revenge What's the logic behind taking on the likes of Schwartz and, and and Otto this weekend compared to say you know, Wilder taking on Ortiz who people would say is a much higher ranked heavyweight well, what happened? Um,
7: ESPM approached Wilder's people and made him a big, quite a serious offer to sign with him. He was out of contract, I understand, with Showtime. So then Showtime jumped back in and said they'll give him a couple of fights, and then do the rematch. So he then became contractually banned, bound for those two fights. So he's already had one, has he? Knocked the guy out in the first round, and they say then his auditions. Then it's agreed they'll fight each other. So we can't have Tyson sitting around on his backside. And I know a um, few people have, well, not a few people, only a couple of people have said something about, you know, Waylon, who's he, and whatever. Well, he's, he's a guy who's ranked in the top five. That's what the contract says. And then that he will fight someone who's ranked in the top five. And to be quite honest, you look around and see who is around anyway for him to fight. You know, you've got Ruiz is fighting Joshua. You've got Char, I think they're doing a purse bid for Char and um, Bryant. Then you've got the other couple of other couple of guys. They're all tied up. So this is what he's gone for. And I'm not. We could have obviously sat around and waited until February for the fight to happen, but that's no good to Tyson. He's in a good place at the moment. One of the reasons he's in a good place because physically he's in great condition. He's been training very hard. Um, he's got himself in great nick. He's not. You know, when you think of him, he was carrying around it's like he's having a, a, an inform Ricky Hatton strap around his waist and he's lost him um, and those two fights or three, three fights he had including Wilder, that, all that training to get himself for that fight was all about losing weight because he obviously wasn't match fit. He came back and within, what was it, within coming back in six months he fired after a three and a half year mm-hmm. layoff. He's fighting the biggest punch in heavyweight I think in the last 20 odd years. So which it says a lot about Tyson. Um, then, now, and he had, he's had the, the last fight. And he's got this one. But you look at him now; he's now training for a fight. It's not about training to make weight. He's training for a fight. So, if I only comes through this Wallin fight, and he, and he should come for it. You know, he's an elite heavyweight. Wallin's a, you know, he's a, 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 a he's obviously a world class heavyweight because he's in, the, he's, he's in the rankings. But Tyson's an, an elite heavyweight. He comes through this, wins this. wilder has got a problem. He's fighting a guy now who's absolutely match fit who's trained specifically for a fight not to not to get rid of the, the weight all the years of abuse and, and the mental problems and everything else that was you know quite serious things that went with it he's now in a good place so keeping him busy keeping him in the gym Ben's doing a great job with him he's he's as I say he's in a, a really good place keeping him that keeping him there keeping that
2: interest going and then come the big fight you're gonna see something special. the The dates that you've just mentioned there, September to February, is perfect for Tyson. But what about if Wilder gets injured in November? Does that knock it back?
1: Well,
7: you know that's, that's the problem. With, with, you know when guys are fighting in between. If that was to happen, then obviously it would get pushed back. That's the, it's not team game boxing. You can't put a substitute in. It's you know one, one on one. And if one of the guys are injured, then they're out. And um, hopefully, and fingers crossed, and everything crossed, come the night of he's fighting. Oh look like Ben Turpin sitting there, but he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, as I say, he's a, a, a um, you know, provided they come through, we've got no problems. If if there's an injury, then Tyson may have another fight in
2: between. And who's on? That's where I was going next. So what's on the list there?
7: I would like to bring him back to the to UK. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'd like to bring him back to the UK, um, and see where we go from there. But he's he's he's, he's the next year for him is mapped out. What he's doing, because you know whatever happens in the Wilder fight, they may even have another rematch. Yeah. So it's mapped out that's what's going on.
2: And then, if everything goes to plan for the other guy, the other British heavyweight in well, in yeah, December, then we might see that matchup.
7: Problems. I mean, it's you know again his promoter. All he's doing is banging on about you know what we're doing. He's got to resurrect him. I mean, you know he got he got a shellacking, didn't he? And a, and, and since. I th- there's some strange things come out there. I think, you know, with Robert McCracken, uh, was it yesterday or the day before, um, saying that he was concussed in the third round and he allowed him to fight on for four hours. I'm shocked. I was shocked to hear that. Um, that is not um, <laughs> not what I would expect of a top-class trainer, or anyone for that matter. If a boxer's concussed, you pull him out. And keep, you don't keep punch. Let someone's head get punched if they're concussed. Added to that, because no one's ever answered this. No, Joshua's never come out and said it, and I'd be interested to know if it's true. They said he got knocked out the week before of his fight. So if he's going in the ring, con- he got concussed the week before and concussed again. I mean, something's wrong there. But we're never we're never going to know. But the facts of the matter is, he's got he's fighting a guy who's not got five weeks' notice in Ruiz. He's fighting a guy that's training for the fight. I think he's got his number. He'd be up for the job. He really is. Uh, you know, he's taken Joshua's best shot. And he's all come back, and and Joshua couldn't take his. He couldn't take what he put on him. Now, will that happen again? Um, let's see what Joshua gets in the ring. Is he going to be a bit gun shy now? Yeah. You know, is he going to is he going to take the fight to him? If he, if he fights him off his back foot, he'll get beat. You know, he's got it. He's he's got it all to do now. Um, Joshua It's going to be interesting to see what Josh. You know, what Joshua gets in the ring. Is he going to be the guy who? Um, he's gonna be backing off. He's gonna take the fight to him. He's, you know, he knows this fella can hurt him, and he has hurt him and stopped him. So it's all. Uh, there's a lot of ponderables there. You know, if that was me, and I know they get, I know they're at Saudi Arabia. Forget about it, they're there because um, it's good for the po- the population, the young Saudis, to see boxing. They're there for, it's called money, and that's the reason they're there. And everything doesn't matter. Just grab the money. I wouldn't have done that. I'd have, I'd have made sure that the fight. Would have been in the UK, and I would have made, made sure that every possible avenue that I could cover to ensure that Bruce felt he was in an unfriendly place. That you know, the crowd are going to get behind Joshua, that he's going to be you know, when he's in that ring, they know what all the crowd are there for. Because that, that, it's very difficult in front of your home, ca- home crowd to you know, it gets a bit more out of you. You can't suddenly think, Well, oh, oh, you know, I want to swallow, or I want to mm-hmm. sit down, you know. You're there, you're in front of them, you're being exposed. You know, like the
3: Klitschko fight, probably got is. them through the
7: Klitschko fight. You know, if you're thinking about long term, grab the title back. You can always go to Saudi if you want to go to Saudi in another time. But that's what they've chosen to do. And you wonder, whether that's, is that a cash-in job? Who knows? I mean, they get a, a truckload of money to go there. Get that, understand that. But, um, it's hard to turn that truckload of money down, though, isn't it, when someone well, it you and, know, and you know. At the end of the day, you can't spend it all, can you? You know, and you've got to look at... Sometimes you, t- you take the money... But if he fights in England, that went on in Cardiff, because obviously the time of year, you put it on in Cardiff, you've got 80,000 people in there, that is not a bad gate to start with, it's not Saudi Arabian money, you've got, you got the pay-per-view, you've got the pay-per-view, uh, pay-per-view money, apparently whatever they get from the zone. there's still huge chunks of money, but more importantly, you're getting your title back, provided you do the business in the ring, you're covering all the bases, this thing may not work out for that, and you're right, fine. You've got the money, but you haven't got your t- your belt. So long term, you want the belt, don't you? Mm. And I just, uh, you know, and I, and I, I sort of, I just wonder what the thought process behind that. And you know, it, it's just, it's going to be interesting. As soon as that first bell goes, you are going to know where Joshua's at. He's either going to put it on him, or it, when he, or he's going to back off him. And if he's going to have a tear up with him, he's fighting a guy who's got very, very fast hands. You know, he said, uh, Anthony Joshua that. Um, he, get, he got hit harder by Klitschko. But the difference between Ruiz and Klitschko is Klitschko didn't jump back on him. As soon as Ruiz had him in trouble, he jumped on him and done the job. So, you know, if, if Klitschko had done that in his fight, maybe it would be an outcome. So they've got to do their thing. In the meantime, the best heavyweight in the world, who we're going to watch on BT Sport, the best heavyweight in the world, BT Box Office, is appearing on Saturday, and hopefully he gets this guy out of the way, and he's gonna be the one they have to beat he's going to be the one they have to beat and you know and i, and I still feel quite um sore about the fact for sison the fact that he sh- he really won this he won the last fight yeah he won that fight and he was robbed i mean it was atrocious scoring by two of the judges at least and uh he should have uh, he should have had the belt but anyway we move on and he's got he, he, his aim is in the next 12 months to Beat them all.
2: What's your, what's your gut instinct regarding how long we're going to get to enjoy him, Tyson? Look, it depends what side of the bed he gets out. Sometimes he <laughs> says, Right, he says, I'm having one more,
7: two more, then Frank, I'll fight. You know, let me fight. I, I reckon I can do this till I'm 45. You know, <laughs> it just depends what Tyson you get. That's how he is. He's he's a spontaneous character, isn't he? The most important thing for him, you know, from my perspective, of course, I, you know, I want him to fight as long as he's physically and more importantly mentally in a position where he wants to fight. That's where it's going to be. When he doesn't want to do it, then I don't want him to do it because that's when boxers get hurt, yeah. when they're doing it for the wrong reasons. You've got to do it for the right reasons. And of course, you know, the professional boxing, part of the right reasons is the money, but it's also to be able to enjoy what you're doing and get something out of it. And boxing, then he's you saviour. You know, when you think of all the mental health problems, it, 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 it's sort of ironic that it's boxing that actually... Help save him. Help to bring him back yeah. to being in the position he's in. And at the moment, it's uh, you know he's, he's as I say he's in a great place. <laughs>
2: listen to fight night on talk sport in las vegas in association with bt sport box office tyson fury versus otto wildland gets underway early hours of sunday morning on bt sport box office now if you've just joined us you've missed the first part uh, of us catching up with frank warren uh, myself and nick Pete went round to uh, frank's house not technically his house but he's his penthouse suite here in Las Vegas for a little bit of a chinwag about all different things. We've already spoke about Tyson Fury, so you've missed that conversation. It will be available on the podcast, so please download it. Uh, but there's lots going on at Queensbury Promotions with other fighters uh, that he looks after. Uh, and that's where we're going to pick up the conversation now. Let's move on to uh, a couple of other guys that you represent. Nick's favourite heavyweight is uh, Triple oh, D. Triple D, yeah. And in, uh, you'll do what? In action in a couple of weeks. We're all excited about what he might go on to achieve. I know he's only a baby. I know that we get excited in the media, rushing him along and what have you, and predicting when's he going to be in We X, Y, and Z. But what's your plans for him? And like you say, you've been here for many, many years. What is the route for Daniel Dubois, and when will we see him at, at the levels that we're talking about now with Tyson?
7: Well, he's actually, you know, he's actually ahead of Tyson at this stage of his career for the titles that he's won. Um, he's... A tremendous tremendous talent he only had seven senior bouts as an amateur and we turned him over you know see him and i thought you know, he, you know people want to go to the olympics get all that understand i said come on we can do better than that i think and make you which we did and he's done he's done he's done brilliantly i mean he's he's. i think he's the well he is i don't just think i think a lot of people think. he's the best young heavyweight in the world i'm not saying britain in the world I don't think it's anybody can touch it he could fight anybody if he hits them they'll go what he needs to do now is learn his craft because boxing is not all about who can punch the hardest because if that's what it's about you won't need judges and referees it's about learning the skills of boxing and there are flaws you know I, I, I raved quite a bit about Anthony Joshua in the early days before anybody you know the media knew about him when he was, you know, when he was boxing, when he, when he was uh, fighting. When uh, Sean Murphy, who I used to look after, was his amateur trainer, we were close to doing something with him. And uh, and I and, and when he won his medal, when he went, he fought in, the, I think it was, was it Azerbaijan? I think it was for the world championships. He got into the final, and in that final, you, I, I could see, you know, how much he wanted it. And he showed tremendous heart and courage, and I thought he got robbed in that in that thing. And I, and I was, I thought he could be the next big. Well, he was the next big thing. I think this kid's better. I think he's got a better defence. He's got a great jab. You know, he's got a fantastic jab. I think at this stage of the game, even though he's not won, won gold medals and world championship, I think this kid, professionally, is a much much better fighter. We got the best heavyweight in the world, Tyson Fury, and we have got the best young heavyweight in the world Daniel, dangerous Daniel Dubois that's what we've got, that's us at Queensbury and BT. that's what you're getting so that's, that, that's what we're, we're delivering Daniel Dubois I would th- I would, the only fighter I wouldn't put him in with is Tyson Fury at the moment because Tyson's got that great experience could you imagine if, if he'd have clipped Anthony Joshua like Ruiz did, there wouldn't have been three or four knockdowns. it would have been lights out it's already been lights out he'd done it when he was 17 and a half and you think how old he is compared with um, Anthony Joshua what's, what's, that? What's, what's Anthony Joshua about 29 yeah. mm-hmm. this kid's 22 he was 8 years older than him so he was 25 on a pro he did that um, and most of the people who he sparred with he's done it um, and that's not you know we don't want to see that and We had a sparring partner over last week that, had to, that, that wound up in hospital he clipped him over it's a terrible thing i don't like seeing that happening sparring but he did it and that's us sending him back to america you know young young undefeated heavyweight he is a powerhouse and he's got this fantastic jab and the fight against nathan gorman to me showed what he was all about because that fight was all you know if you read all the rep- read all the review yeah, the, yeah. The, the the not not the, r- the reports you read all the um the previews fight, before yeah. the fight and it was uh Nathan, the better boxer, if he gets him past five rounds, he'll outbox him. And if he knocks him up, you know, that's the way they were all turned. But the fact of the matter was, he outboxed Nathan. Mm-hmm. The key to that fight was the jab. And he's, a, he's learning all the time. He is a fantastic athlete. I genuinely believe, well, he's the best young heavyweight I've been involved with at this stage of his career. And I genu- genuinely do believe he will be a world champion very, very soon.
2: I agree, Come on, completely. Come on, give me time. You can't just do that. <laughs> within, all right, then, within three <laughs> years. Within three years.
7: Yeah, I mean, they're all wrapped up. I think within, within a couple of years, they're all wrapped up in a moment in, with their yeah. various respective fights, and they'll have their mandatories. But I'll have him in a number one spot quite soon, and that means mean that somebody's going to have to fight.
3: Now that the Gorman fight out, is out the way and that rivalry is kind of put to one side now, could we potentially see Daniel work with Tyson? Just with more of like a mentor type of thing.
7: I, I think with I think with Tyson, I think that you know with um that would be great for him because Tyson is is a you know he's a, he's got a fantastic boxing brain. I mean, for such a big ma- man, and he's a big big man. He's agile. He's got his footwork. He's, he's got fast footwork. He's got very fast hands. He slips. He slides. That's what you want to be in a ring or sparring with. And we'll see what happens. But it might come a time they will fight each other. So there might be the time they never will get in their sparring because they won't want to give away their respective weaknesses. We'll
2: see. Josh Warrington. He's been on social media this morning saying that he fancies a knock with Lomachenko. Come on, can we get that made? Because that'll do a few tickets, won't it? Do you know what?
7: It's funny. you know. Ben Davison's done a fantastic job with Tyson. A brilliant job with him. And Josh Warrington, I mean, he's a true warrior. He'll fight anyone when he was with our competitors um, I, I kept looking at him all, all the way through I said this kid this, this kid I really do fancy he can fight I really fancied him that we could do it so we went and made him a. I know it come to the end of their contract so I dived in there and we, you know, the old phrase made an offer financially they couldn't refuse because I really felt he could do it and then we was trying to make the, the fight with Selby so it was, a, it was a it was getting messed about so we we got him we then said, Let's make make an eliminator by that way Selby's forced to fight. Which is what we done, he won his eliminator. Fighting Selby, everybody didn't give him a they didn't give him a I don't think anybody picked him to win. And he done a job. He absolutely done it, done a fantastic job. Won that fight and done it in style. Beat him in every department, he outboxed him, he, had, he, he he was t- too strong for him. Yeah, fought. you know, yeah, outfought him, he outgained him. In every department he beat him. And then to go and do what he did with Carl Frampton. And Carl, to his credit, said, tough as he's ever fought, much better fighter than Santa Cruz, you know. And he and he showed it. And then he had that mandatory against Galahad, who you know, never comes to fight. The referee, I don't think, done a great job in the fight. He should have stopped all that holding it and been a better fight better fight for the fans to watch. But he'll fight anyone, and he'll fight a Lomachenko That's that's where he's where he's at. I know him going up. To, to do that at uh, that weight yeah. I mean what we we's got he's got he's got a fight, he's fighting the, the highest available contender in the IBF now in his next fight, um on the on the twelfth October in Leeds. That's no, no not gonna be a walker, but he he come through that and I'm, then I wanna make him that unification fight.
2: Is it hard because everybody's moving out the weight division well, it seems fight him.
7: I mean, you know, Santa Cruz we offered him I think it's one and a half million quid to come over or was it dollars Might whatever it was but we offered him that and they offered us $500,000 to come over here which means they didn't want it um, and Valdez made all the right noises and then moved up a week so he may move up I don't know you what we're doing we, we, we'll see but I, I'm determined and I will deliver to him that fight but he is the most improved young boxer in the country by, 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 by a street I mean you know he should be boxer of the year um you know, for the, the you're looking at the three opponents that he's fought in the year, he, he should that's where he should be. It was
2: ours last year, wasn't it? He? Yeah. he was our boxer of the year last
7: year. He's a I mean, he's, he's 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 a he's a great little fighter and, and a tremendous. You know, he's a tremendous advert for the game, isn't he? Great, great little. And I think he's just on the cusp of getting a real big fight, and we can do that. I think then he then he he'll, he'll be this crossover, as we say, from being just a boxer into being a. a a sports personality instead of being Mr Leeds he might become Mr UK
2: Final one we spoke to Bob earlier he says he's moving to the UK how, how does that affect Queensbury do
7: doesn't affect us at all does it you know um, it's, it can move where he likes I, I have no problem with that Bob says lots of things Whether he's going to do it or not, I don't know but if he does it that means I've got somebody to take me out for lunch <laughs> <laughs> every other week <laughs> he's coming over he's coming over it'd be great it'd be good for British boxing if he comes over but um, just to let you know if and when he comes over he won't be promoting Tyson Fury in the UK it will be where he's at
1: with us this is it! The time has come! Fight Night Fury vs. Vallin preview on TalkSport. All the build-up ahead of Tyson Fury's showdown with Otto Vallin, live from Las Vegas, with Adam Catterall and Nick Pete on TalkSport. Oh.
2: This is Fight Night in Las Vegas on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, we're here for Fury vs. Wildlin. It all goes down on Speedy Sport box office in the early hours of Sunday morning. One man that's definitely going to be attendance is the man in the corner of Tyson Fury, his trainer, his friend, his coach, Ben Davison. Asking questions this week from my mate Nick Pete. And the first one was basically: is that the end for the Gypsy King on British soil? Let's find out. Mm.
8: I don't think so, but I can't talk. Can't talk about. Um, can't make decisions for Tyson, um, but I'm sure that he would love to have a UK fight. Well, I know he would, but we're definitely not looking past Otto Wallin. You know, we got we got a tough fight ahead of us on Saturday. No matter what anybody thinks, that's the fact of it. I know boxing, and I know that it's not going to be an easy fight. Um, and if it is an easy fight, it's because Tyson's worked well, hard to get make it an easy fight. But Otto's definitely a tough challenger.
3: Why did you choose Otto Wallen as an opponent?
8: Because he's six foot six, so we've got the height. He's also a southpaw, which is going to make things tricky. Now, obviously, for the general public and for Tyson's profile, it would be ideal to have someone that he could just walk straight through and blast and look a million dollars and walk straight at him and he can hit him with every shot and every variety. But being a southpaw is going to make you think. With good pedigree, good fundamentals, Tyson's going to have to overcome some problems. He's going to have to think about things, he's going to have to set things up, he's going to have to try things, some things will work, some things won't work, but he's going to have to do some thinking in there, and it's not going to be straightforward. And that's what I want from him, going into the Deontay Wilder fight. Deontay Wilder's a lot better boxer than what people give him credit for. You have to think about your work, you have to be smart about your work, you have to set your work up with Deontay Wilder, and that's what he's going to have to do with Otto Wallen. Deontay Wilder because he's a massive puncher and a good boxer. Otto Walling because he's a southpaw, good boxer, six foot six with good pedigree. So you know for different reasons, but you still have to be smart about your work, and and that's what I want from Tyson.
3: What's the perfect outcome for you, Ben? On Saturday night, a lot of these fans have travelled over from the UK, obviously hoping to see a sensational knockout. What's the perfect result for you?
8: Perfect result is for Tyson to go out there, box well, box smart, set things up. Um, break Otto down, get some rounds in the bank and finish with a spectacular knockout whether that happens or not we'll find out but I definitely believe it's a tougher fight than what people think it is
3: A lot of the chat around here is obviously looking towards the the rematch with Deontay Wilder have you had to pull Tyson back down to make him focus on Wallen or is it the exact opposite?
8: God's honest truth, we've not even had the conversation about Deontay Wilder because we're fully focused on Otto Wallen so uh, there's no talk about Deontay Wilder for the minute
3: a lot of talk in the British press this week regarding Anthony Joshua, uh, his coach. Should he have been pulled out? A lot of stuff about um, getting head injuries inside the ring, that type of stuff. Have you have you managed to engage with any of this stuff while you've been over here?
8: I haven't seen it, but I've been asked a few questions this morning about it. Um, if Rob McCracken's due for criticism over the Anthony Joshua fight, and I'm under criticism because Tyson Fury's knockdown was very heavy against Deontay Wilder and I didn't pull him out. So, you know, if... Uh, If you're going to criticise Rob, criticise me. Rob's been in there, uh, achieved it himself as a boxer, um, achieved a hell of a lot as a coach, and uh, he's got a fantastic relationship with Anthony Joshua, and I know that his main priority would have been Joshua's health. So, you know, I think if he's under criticism, you should be criticising me as well, because I didn't pull Tyson out against Wilder.
3: Isn't taking concussions during the fight taking blows to the head, isn't that fundamentally part of the sport? I don't understand where these criticisms have come from.
8: It is part and parcel of it. And the moment yeah. that Joshua wasn't fresh enough to be able to compete at that level due to whatever you want to call it, punishment, concussion, or wasn't fresh enough to be able to perform at his best, the fight was stopped, and I believe the fight was stopped at the right time.
3: Quickly looking ahead to that rematch before we come back to Tyson. What's, uh, what's Anthony Joshua got to do to make to get those belts back?
8: He's got to learn how to control the distance, dictate the distance, create distance, maintain it without exchanging punches he's got to be which i think he's learned got to learn to be patient he's got to learn to vary his shots up not everything can be maximum output all the time a bit of variety relaxed he's got to work on his defensive eyes Um, but like i say he's got a fantastic trainer i think rob mccracken's a top trainer i'm sure they'll be working on the right areas to improve him to be success in that successful in that in that rematch
3: does making big fights obviously the big the big fight every UK fan wants to see would be Tyson against AJ for all the belts does that make that fight so much easier to make now that O is gone
8: uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think they always are tough to fight, to mate. Tough to make these fights, but you know he's got a tough fight ahead of him first, and we've got a tough fight ahead of us first.
9: Tyson's
3: career's kind of full of these iconic moments, but still that that moment in the twelfth round where he got up off his back against Deontay. Deontay goes down in British boxing, you know, certainly of our generation, of our lifetime, have one of the most standout moments. Um, being in the corner, what was it like? Running through that roller coaster because I'm sure for you those ten seconds probably lasted about four hours. Yeah.
8: Yeah, I mean for me uh, that 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 moment goes far, far, far beyond just boxing. Um, you know, it's, it's been used as motivation for people that have struggled around the world due to the fact of how Tyson behaved before, after, and during the fight. Um, the heart and grit and determination that he showed during the fight. Um, what was it like in the corner? Absolutely mental. A bleeping roller coaster, um, but you know, an amazing experience. Obviously, God willing, um, everybody comes through their fights, and if the rematch happens, we don't have to go through it again. Though, I'd rather it to be a lot more straightforward, but we'll see. Was that one of them
3: fights that, when you got back to the dressing room, you felt like that you'd done the twelve rounds?
8: Uh, well, yeah, I didn't feel like I'd done twelve rounds in wild, and that's for sure. Uh, maybe against one of these little bantle mates over here. <laughs> the
3: fight with Deontay, the rematch, obviously. No, know we're not looking past Wallen, but it is obviously on the horizon. It is pencilled in for February. Will it be back here in
8: Vegas? Uh, so I've heard, so I've heard. But like I say, listen, I don't want to talk too much about the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder because we've got Otto Wallen ahead of a Saturday and he's not to be overlooked.
3: Are you enjoying Vegas, you personally? Are you enjoy being out here, enjoy working out here?
8: Yeah, uh, it's nice, good people, top-ranker. are a fantastic team, Queensbury Promotions, fantastic team. MT Global, the best team in boxing. Um, over here is very good. You know, It's, it's uh, one of the capitals of, of, of boxing and, and so much boxing history here. So uh, it's fantastic, yeah.
3: It's been a meteoric rise for yourself personally as a trainer know, only a couple of years ago, you kind of came on the scene and now suddenly, uh, you know, you're handling the, the guy that most people believe is the best heavyweight on the planet. Do you sometimes look at yourself in the mirror, maybe pinch yourself that this journey's been so incredible? Uh,
8: not really, because I'm always focused on improving. If I start thinking to myself, oh, I've made it, I'm here, I'm this, I'm that, which I don't think that, but uh, if I was to be that way inclined, then I'm not going to be hungry to keep improving and keep learning and keep making myself a better coach, which will then work as pay dividends in my in my fighters becoming better fighters so you know I uh, sometimes you do need to appreciate and I always appreciate everything in life, um, appreciate having my family, I appreciate everything you know and this is just part and parcel of it, it's my job, um, I work bloody hard to, to do what I do um, and you know. It, it, it pays dividends like i say do
3: you feel a little bit of extra pressure because of your lack of experience when you're going in and you and you know you're looking you're looking across the ring maybe at other corners with 20 30 40 years of experience multiple world champions do you feel that as pressure or do you get a buzz out of it
8: well the difference is you, a lot of people judge experience by the amount not the quality a journeyman with 200 fights don't beat a, a, a prospect with 10 fights does it because that prospect with 10 fights is a better quality experience than a journeyman um, and that's the difference i've had fantastic experience and a lot of, of of real quality experience at a young age so you know um i feel like i've uh you know, going into the Wilder fight, everybody was, Tyson's going to get obliterated, three rounds, he's getting demolished, that is it, like, he don't belong there, he's too soon, goes and puts a performance in. And he's, ah, oh, you know, we knew that wild is not that great, we knew that was going to happen, blah, blah, you know. That's the way the boxing world works, but uh, I know where I belong. I'll never, I'll never get, in my life would I ever be overshadowed looking across the corner and believing somebody else is there, because I believe that I'll do a better job than anybody can do um, than any other corner any other trainer I could face because simply down to my motivation at what age Ben
3: did you make that decision to you know what instead of being an athlete I'm better suited as a coach was it quite
8: young yeah I I started doing some training qualifications through my um, nutritional qualifications etc and I gradually, about eighteen, nineteen, I got into it and I was lucky enough. You can say lucky or, you know, you still have to have a certain level of intelligence and a certain level of knowledge to be able to work with a top quality fighter. But the first main fight that I worked with was Billy Joe Saunders. So you can say lucky, but you also have to have a certain level to be able to work with a fighter of that level. Um, yes i do feel like i feel like i had a natural gift of being able to see things technically uh, but i'm always still working to improve in that area i'm always still working to improve on you know i have a understanding of nutrition and training and different types of uh, training, different how to work the aerobic system, anaerobic system, different ways of doing it, rest, recovery, strength training, and uh, functional training, etc. I have a basic level of understanding on that, but I'm also very lucky enough to be working at a level where we're able to employ experts in their field, so we have a strength and conditioning coach, a nutritionist, and obviously myself as as the boxing coach.
3: You just mentioned Billy Joe Saunders there. Quick one on Billy Joe. Was he disappointed that Callum Smith kind of distanced himself from that unification fight? Uh,
8: um, he will be, yeah, he will be. Uh, but I think rumours have it he's boxing in uh, November in LA. So you know, hopefully, let's get him, get, let him get that one out of the way. And I think you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, he gets a big fight after that.
3: That one in November, likely the KSI Logan Paul rematch. AJ. They're talking about it, and you, you're quite positive about that whole YouTubers fighting each other setup.
8: Yeah, well, like I said, listen, if they, if they had what what was it like millions of views, whatever it was, if 10, 20 million total, I think. If 10, 20, if 10, 20 percent remain as boxing fans, you know it's a lot of new boxing fans and a lot of new business and uh, a lot of money, which hopefully gets shared out between the, the uh, rest of the bill. I'm not going to call it undercard. rest of the bill and uh, if you're not interested in that fight then watch a good quality bill if you want to watch it if you don't want to watch it don't watch it if you watch it but you don't want to watch the other fight tune off if you do want to watch it watch it if you're watching the uh if you are going to watch the 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 fight with the youtubers then uh, hopefully you watch the rest of the bill so i don't see nothing wrong with it myself
6: planning for your next trip
2: Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're in Las Vegas. We've come outside. So now the, the new king of Las Vegas, seeing as you're dominating these poker tables, my friend. Mr. Yeah, David, hey, yeah, how are I, you? I cashed here last time I was here in, in Las Vegas, a World
10: Series of Poker, so I'm happy. I'm, I feel comfortable here now. Last time, actually, we were here, you spoke about the Goliath and all that. Yeah. Come on, man, how did we do? Did we, we did great. You know, I wanted to win it. I went out there to win Goliath. There were was 13,700 entrants, um, and I came 40th. You know, after you know playing the game for less than a year, um, I I was I was happy and sad as I I felt I made a few mistakes to come forward here because you know I set my standards high and um, I I wanted to I wanted to win the whole thing and you know uh, there was a hundred over a hundred thousand pound winning prize and I walked away with like two and a half so it, was, it wasn't wasn't quite the, the the loot I wanted to walk away from. but it was a good experience I enjoyed it it was fun. Long grueling days, thirteen hours one day, concentrating, watching everyone's pot size, watching everyone's uh, bluffs and their hands, and trying to memorise as many different things. Doing that for thirteen hours a day, you know, I played for four days and on the spin.
2: Are you a trash talker on the table?
10: I I gave a little bit. I gave a little bit. I gave. I let them know that you know I knew what I was doing and and (laughs) tried to smoke a few people out and you know called a few. I, I I'm finding my I'm finding my flow in the, on the poker around the poker table, but I mean something I'm enjoying. I've played played once a week now, and uh, looking for. I think I might go and enter a tournament out here. I might do a little play, play a little poker tournament while I'm here. Well, it'd be
2: rude not to? Absolutely. Listen, we're going to talk Tyson Fury in a moment or two. Yeah. I want to talk Derek yes. because obviously on Monday War Chisora. He was giving it the big end. Did he take you by he surprise was. with that? No, you know, I, you know, I
10: knew the moment I heard. Eddie Hearn say the main event is the guy sitting next to you. I was like, because we got myself and Eddie Hearn uh, both agreed it will be co-main event, and um, co-main event means co-main event. And when Derek heard, you know, for the first time that you know the guy next to him is the main event and he's on the undercard, he took umbrage to that in a in a big way, and um, made some noise. Um, What I think is going to happen, or what I hope that happens is guys sort of take note of that and they do a poll themselves and you know let the fans decide you know boxing's about the fans boxing's about who do the fans want to see and I think if they do a, a public poll you know I've done my own poll but it's biased it's my <laughs> fans and my fans are, are fans of lyrics I think doing a, 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 a non-biased uh, poll would be the best way to decide which fighter um, happens last which have, fighter happens
2: is the main event and well, is the last last fight on the show you listen you are a you were a fantastic boxer, probably still are, um, yeah, and, and a fantastic yeah. businessman as well, right? So from a from a from just an observer's point of view, the boxing side of it, you can understand why a world title unification yeah, against yeah. two fantastic undefeated young talents like Progress and Taylor is the main event. From a boxing purist's point of view, that's the main event. But from a business point of view, Derek actually has a point because he is the name that this, fought, this is what's been sold on. He's multiple pay-per-view fights in the past and all
10: of them have done great numbers. You could look at, you know... Um, Eddie Hearn promoting KSI and Logan Paul, you know, neither of them had one professional fight, yet they're going to be headlining fight with world titles on the undercard. So you've got to have it both ways. You know, what's that one? Is that one going to be on the undercard? No, that one's going to be in the main event because it's the big fight. You know, it's the fight that most people who are going to pay for it are interested in seeing. So that's the one that should be the main event in my opinion. The boxing ago is not even a European title. There's no world belt. There's no intercontinental. There's nothing. You know, I get that argument as well, but the fights that make the most money, the fights that really get people excited are the ones that most people are interested in and the ones that do the most numbers. You know, look at some of the biggest pay-per-view fights of all time. Uh, Floyd Maver versus Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor hadn't had one professional fight. That was main event. There was lots of world title fighters underneath it and it wasn't for any title either so you know let the i say let the fan let the fans decide who they feel is the main event they're the ones who are paying for the fight they're the ones who you know pay all the fight who go who
2: turn up and buy the tickets so i'd say let, let the fans decide regarding the fight it isn't just about business it's not just about money because it's major significance in the heavyweight division there's a lot of guys out there that need a dance partner
9: yeah.
2: Derek going against the former world champion in joseph parker if he wins it what does that mean
10: that puts him right at the top of the list of contenders. It really does. You know, he's, he's been the nearly man so many times. He's won every title other than a world title. And to, to go in there against a former world champion, a young guy, you know, 27 years old, Joseph Parker, you know, a man who's, who's been there, seen it done. Oh, he's actually, um, Joseph Parker actually holds a win over Andy Ruiz Jr. who just knocked out, um, Anthony Joshua. So, you know, he's no slouch. He's a very, very, um, very good fighter. You know, he, his only two losses were against Anthony Joshua on points, where a referee didn't really let him engage, and um, to Dylan White, where he, he nearly knocked Dylan White out in that twelfth round, the last round. So, you know, even in his losses, there was no disgrace in any way, shape, or form. So he's a guy who has two losses, but has a long string of victories. Holds a, he held a world title belt. So Derek's going to need to fight better than he's ever fought, ever. Anything less than his best performance will not be enough. To, to beat Joseph Parker in any way, shape, or form, he knows that, he understands that, and he's putting the work in, in the gym. He realizes it's you know it's, it's on Sky pay-per-view, all eyes are going to be on him. The heavyweight division is the division that everybody is talking about. We're here out here for the, you know Tyson Fury fight. You know you've got Deontay Wilder, you know looking at knocking people out. You know anyone who comes near him. You have got you know the big fight in Saudi Arabia with um, Anthony Joshua and Andrew Jr that massive rematch the heavyweight division is absolutely buzzing at the moment and for me, Derek can gate crash that with this one victory on the 26th of October. You said he's back in the gym. We know he's that that's yet. not with Dev Caldwell. What's yeah. the latest regarding trainers? What's he going to be doing? He's At the moment, he's sparring. He's working with a few people he's worked with in the past. Um, but I think we'll announce who the, officially will be the head coach in his corner in, in a couple of weeks. But, you know, he's been there, done it. He's a seasoned veteran. You know, he, he just needs to be moving his head, punching crisply, you know, having his feet fast having his all-round overall body conditioning solid. You know, he doesn't need to be having any sick days. He needs to be watching his nutrition. He needs to be getting early nights. He needs to be doing all the things that he didn't quite do back in the day. He realised he's 35 years of age. He's no spring chicken. He can't afford another loss now. He knows this is his big one. This is the opportunity. You know, his fight against um, Dylan White, he nearly did it. You know, he was winning that fight going into that 11th round. He walked onto a, a left hook from 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 nowhere and um, that was it for him you know he he re-watched that fight and he understands that you know he was there you know maybe a little bit more 10% more focus in training you know a little bit a a a little a little the little marginal gains here and
2: there is all he needed to get that victory so this time round you know he's ticking ticking all the boxes you mentioned Anthony Joshua a couple of times there with yeah. Andy Ruiz. We know the rematch is going down in the, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. They've had the press conferences now. When you look at those press conferences, are you seeing a little bit of difference in Anthony's demeanor as he's preparing I, for this fight? I see the look in
10: the eyes of Anthony Joshua as someone who's on a mission, someone who's not here to you know, have a routine fight, to, to, to ex- expose himself and his brand to the American people. No, he, he means business. I see the look in his eye of someone who isn't there to make up numbers. Isn't there? He's not there for the money. He's not there for for anything other than to prove that he's the man in the division. He, you know, he had so many people truly believing he was the number one in the division. That's out the window now. He's got to convince everybody that what happened to him against Andrews Jr was no different than what happened to Lennox Lewis when he got knocked out by Hasim Rackman or got knocked out by Oliver McCall. These things happen in the heavyweight division. Sometimes all it takes is one shot to change the outcome of a fight. He took that left hook in that third round and wasn't able to regroup, wasn't able to get over it. Lennox Lewis wasn't able to get over that big right hand from Oliver McCall or um, Hasim Rackman. I'm, I believe that may be the case here. I think he he realises that he just, he, just, he just got it wrong. Everybody deserves a bad night at the office. Everybody does. You know, I've had a few. He's had his one. Let's hope that's the last one. Let's hope he goes out there and does what he should have done the first time round. Who can blame Antti Joshua for overlooking Andrew Riz Jr.? Look at his gut. Look at his physical. It looks terrible. He looks like you've dragged him out of, you know, a pub. He doesn't look like someone who's going to call someone like Antti Joshua Olympic gold medalist undefeated only been the distance once that this guy shouldn't be able to beat this guy so who can blame Anthony Joshua I never fought anyone in that type of shape before I think maybe the, my first ever pro fight but I've never you know when you fight at world level and you see that obviously you, you take, you think okay I'm, you know, where's the after party at who can blame Anthony Joshua I can't blame no one can blame him really but, but what he needed in that fight was his best ever performance and it wasn't there because he didn't know it was needed. Now he knows it's needed. We're gonna see the real Anthony Joshua. I think we just saw Anthony Joshua on a horrible night. Everyone deserves a horrible night. We all have horrible nights. No one can be at their best every day, every time they do what they do. You no, know, every footballer misses a penalty. Yeah, it happens. That was him. He just missed a penalty because he thought the, 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 the goalkeeper was blind and he wasn't. You know, and this, that's that's the that's the thing. Um, I think he'll regroup. I think he'll win the fight on points. My, player, my, my my prediction for this fight is, after seeing how focused he looks, after listening to his coaches, you know, listening to his interviews, he seems like a man who knows where he went wrong and knows how to put it
2: right. On to the big man this weekend. We're in Vegas. Obviously Tyson Fury taking on Otto Wallin. How impressed have you been with Tyson's turnaround? Not just in the ring, but lifestyle-wise as well.
10: I think it's probably one of the biggest turnarounds in... You know, in recent years, from any any boxer, you know the fact that he, he ballooned up to nearly thirty stone, really let himself go in a in a terrible way, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He just he just let it all go, and he's able, He's been able to reel it in. He's been able to reel. Most people, once they get to a stage, they, there's no bringing it back. That's it. You got one. You, when you abuse your body like he did. Most people don't have the metal to bring it back, and he has done. You know, every fight he seems fitter, he seems faster, he seems more engaged, he seems more on it. The more training camps he has, the last four fights, each fight he's progressively got better. He's looked in better condition, mentally. He seems on point, you know. And the training camps are where the training's done, is where the the hard work's done behind closed doors. We see these fights uh, in Las Vegas where he's, he's putting on a show. But the hard work that where he's really learning, where he's really benefiting from, is the training camps. Mm-hmm. You know, the ten-week training camps. You know, in Spain, over here in in Las Vegas. This is this is
2: where I was going to ask you about that because yeah. you used to love the yeah. the warm weather thing, yeah. and that must have put you in a really good place mentally. Do you think that's maybe done the same thing for Tyson? I think he really has. I think he's really enjoyed it. I think, you
10: know, I think he does a bit of training in Marbella. He comes out, comes out here and finishes off his prep out here, which is very professional. You know, a lot of fighters. Learn, learn the hard way I remember when Lennox Lewis did his uh, he, he shot a movie Ocean's, Oceans 11 over here where he had a cameo part and then he goes over to South Africa big difference in, in, in uh, acclimatisation required you know it was at high altitude you know and he pay, he paid the price he ran out of steam early and walked onto a big right hand so I think he, he's learned from other people's mistakes to if you're going to be fighting in Vegas, you need to be in Vegas for a few weeks. And um, it seems like he's, he, he's learned what's needed to learn from other fighters' mistakes. And, you know, he's only got that one draw in his record against, against Deontay Wilder. Disputed draw. Many people believe he did enough. On the on the scorecards to win that fight, it was a draw. We, I'm glad it was a draw because I get to see that fight again. I really enjoyed the first fight. How important do we get that fight and we get that I next. Mean, I think I think it's imperative for both fighters. The fact that there's a question mark over both of them. You know, I've heard Wilder fans saying they think their man won the fight clearly. I've heard Fury fans saying I think it was a, a robbery. Okay, one way to prove it, well, let's do it again. Both fighters have uh, I think uh, the, the 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 first round knockout devastating shot from Deontay Wilde against uh, Dominic Brazil was very very impressive and then uh, once again the, the the fight against Tom Schwartz where Tyson Fury came here to just to, to the United States of Las Vegas you know the, the home of boxing and he, and he and he came out wearing his 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 uh his star uh, star spangled banner hat and dance into the ring I thought it was great coming to America and he did he really did he really started the flag in out here and let everybody know I'm, I'm the heavyweight who puts on a performance so I, I think it's definitely a collision course for that big huge rematch and both fighters are improving I know Wilder's is better and definitely Tyson Fury is better
2: You're listening to Talk Sport. This is Fight Night in Las Vegas. I'm Adam Catterall. Fury versus Wallen going down in the early hours of Sunday morning for listeners in the UK. All on BT Sport Box Office. One man that is going to be in attendance is Joseph Parker. He's a mate of Tyson Fury's. We'll talk about that in a moment or two of how that friendship came about. But my mate Nick Pete, went to speak to Joe about his upcoming fight with Derek Chisora, and that press conference this week.
3: I'm standing with Joe Parker, who is absolutely fuming that he's not main event in London, just like Derek Chisora, is that true? <laughs>
11: <laughs> Listen, I, uh, as much as it's cool to be the a main event, I've been at a main event a lot of times, and I guess the guys that I actually find a main event, it's a unification belt. So they deserve it, you know? and it's not up to us, it's up to the promoters. I'm happy that I have an opponent, I'm happy, I'm happy that I have a date, and something to look forward to, so I don't care where I am on the card.
3: When you watched the press conference I'm sure you've seen it with Derek were you surprised with his antics?
11: Uh, listen Derek is a character who is full of surprises I woke up in the morning I got tagged all over social media so I didn't watch it I was like what the heck just happened? And so um, you know he does have a point that he attracts a lot of support and fans and I think myself I'm fortunate I've been I've had some good fights there and I got fans of my own in, in the UK so I think it was, if it was on another day we can definitely be the main event but You know, as long as we have the fight locked in, I think he should be happy with that.
3: To kind of flip it around a little bit, if the fight was taking place here in Vegas and the same thing had happened, or if the fight was taking place in in Auckland and the same thing has happened, would you feel the same way?
11: Yeah, I listen. Like I said, I as long as I have the fight sorted, I'm I'm fine.
3: The fight itself, obviously, is uh, one that once it was announced, UK fight fans were super excited. The more than familiar with yourself over there, Derek always kind of brings his A game, and he seems to be having a little bit of a, a, an Indian summer on his career. This second or third chapter, I think, it may well have kicked in. Uh, obviously, a fight that you're taking very seriously.
11: Listen, we're taking this fight very seriously. This is the fight that we, uh, I think, is a must-win for us. Um, coming off you know, two losses in the UK, then getting two good wins, um, I think. And Jasoro is one of those fighters that he comes and he looks like, he's either looks like he's ready to retire, or he looks like he's a world-class beater. And so you never know what to expect from him. And his style is come forward, throw shots, and we've seen on his last fight that he still possesses that power to knock you know fighters out of Spilka. So I think he's got one style, which is to come forward, chase you down, and throw his big bombs. I think... I, I think I have better skill than him. I think I can move, I can box, and I can stand there and fight. So I'm looking forward to the the challenge of of what he's going to bring.
3: He's probably put in two of his best performances of the last few years, last time out, but that was working alongside Dave Caldwell. He's no longer working with Dave Caldwell for this camp. Some kind of family issues there or or location issues. Um, Does that give you an edge?
11: Um, I don't really look into that. I think Chisora is an experienced customer in the boxing game. He's been in the game for a long time, so he knows what he needs going into a fight. So even though he's, you know, of issues of his, uh, like, location-wise, but I think he, he knows what he needs, and he knows what he's going to get to help him get prepared for this fight.
3: We're here, obviously, in Vegas for Fury versus Otto Wallen on Saturday night. You have seem to have built up a, a strange, somewhat, relationship with Tyson. Where did it, how did it come about? Uh, back in, uh, I don't know if you know,
11: remember when Twitter had the Periscope, when it was live, and so on um, live videos we used to go on live, and then I used to watch his videos, he watched watch mine, and then from there we just, you know, I've always supported him, and um, you know when you beat Klitschko, that was the best thing ever. And uh, we got this great relationship where if I text him, he always makes time, just, and it's crazy, you know. I'm, I'm so glad to have someone like him by my side, you know, and so, um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm able to go see him and, and hang out and, and see him in camp, and he always texted me saying he's ready, you know, for the fight. He's sparring, twelve hard rounds. He's fit, he's focused. So, I think the best thing out of this whole thing is the transformation that he made from, you know, from the tough times he went through to what he's going through now is extraordinary.
3: Yeah. From anyone to go from 400 pounds back down to 250 pound fighting weight, you, you've got to respect that kind of attitude. You've
11: got to respect. You know, he, he, was, he was down and out. Everyone countered him out. Everyone thought he was going to get knocked out by Wilder. But like he came back and proved that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. So he's a great sort of um, person or ambassador for mental health.
3: Tyson themselves come with a little bit of criticism from the industry for maybe not taking the biggest names or the biggest names out there. You know, fights like um, Tony Schwartz and Otto Wallen. Um, probably a, a, a second tier down, if you like, from other heavyweights. Meanwhile, Wilder's uh, off. Fighting Ortiz again—is um, is that just because Tyson Fury's a different type of fighter? do You think different kind of animal, or
11: I think it's just—it's for me. It's just—it doesn't really—it doesn't really matter who he fights. Everyone's interested. He's that kind of fighter that just attracts a lot of uh, support and attracts everyone to watch. You know? And he's a—he's a character in the division that makes it alive. So I think even though he's fighting you know, shorts and it was—it was a good victory for him. Easy, easy victory. He showed a lot of skill in his movement, defense. You know, enjoyed the occasion. Now he's fighting another guy, which I I haven't really heard a lot of, and I don't I don't know what to expect. But I think down the line, you know, he's just setting himself up for the for the bigger fights that are that are to come.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Jordan, this time you've managed to spend with Tyson out here. Have you done any sparring with him? Done any training with him?
11: I've, I've trained alongside him for the last camp when I was uh, when we were both here in Vegas, but I haven't really sparred with him. I think um, that'll be interesting if we spar. It'll be cool, but not yet.
3: Other than yourself, is it Tyson that you rank at the top of the heavyweight division?
11: Yeah, other than myself, I reckon he's number one. You know, and um, I think, there's, you know, he's the man who beat the man. He lost his titles, not because of being beaten by anyone, just from the hardships that he's went through. And he came back from the extraordinary change of 400 pounds to now, fighting Wilder. I think it was too early for him to fight Wilder. Yeah. So that's that's why the, um, the February fight is going to be very intriguing and exciting because... there's going to be a big difference in the person that fought him then to the person that's going to fight him then.
3: Absolutely, I can't let you go without asking you about the other big fight in the heavyweight division, the rematch out in uh, Saudi Arabia, Anthony Joshua against Andy Rees, I'm sure like the rest of the world you were shocked with the first results, but how do you see the second fight going?
11: Um, I've seen that Joshua's trimmed down a lot and I think that's a great thing and if he uses what he did against me and boxed me from the outside, with his reach, you know, and he kept me at bay, I think it would be a different story. But then again, I'm, I don't fight like Ruiz. I don't take punches to give punches. I try my best to avoid. And, so, for me, it's still a 50-50. Yeah. I think it's a 50-50. It just depends who, um, you know, either Ruiz chases him down faster and and be more aggressive and put on more pressure or Joshua just boxes the ears off him.
3: Ruiz not a notorious puncher, far from it. But he hates Joshua and hates him bad and seemingly... Joshua wasn't able to recover from that left hook he, he took. Were you surprised Joshua's equilibrium went so easily, bearing in mind that you're a bigger puncher than Ruiz and, and he, and he kind of took some of your shots, bigger shots maybe?
11: I, um, To be honest, I think I, I, I experienced the same thing when I got hit by Dylan White, and all of a sudden I was so lost in the fight that I couldn't really um, distinguish whether the, the, fight, the jabs were coming too close or too far. Or, and so I, I, I'm not surprised that his equilibrium was off. And he was confused in between rounds. What round is it? Where did I get hit? So um, I think if the punch didn't land, you know, but uh, things happen for a reason. But I think he's going to come back with a lot more drive. He's going to be a lot more fitter, Joshua. And I think he's going to, you know, I know he knows what to do to get the victory.
3: Have you ever been hit in a fight and that happened to you where you lose a couple of rounds, where you're going back to the corner, literally asking, what do I do next? What's coming my way?
11: The Dylan White fight when I got the headbutt in the second round. And then I was a bit lost. And after the fight, I was a bit um, self-conscious. My head sort of blew out of here and my ear was out here. I was like, oh, walking around like, oh. <laughs> so then, so that's why I feel like I know what he went through because I felt sort of that in the Dillian White fight. But then again, Dillian White caught me with a nice left hook and then this uh, woke me up. I was like, oh, damn.
3: <laughs> the Dillian White fight was a super entertaining fight and I think most people who watched it will know that one, maybe even two more rounds, it it, it was your fight. Do you look back on that with the same type of regrets or you just want to you'd like to get that fight back again
11: no no regrets I gave it everything that day um, obviously things happen in boxing hit but get knocked down whatever on the day that he was a better man you know And um, but I know I can beat him so I would love to fight him again
3: and I've got to ask you about the new heavyweight on the scene. Uh, we now have an opponent for him. Tyrone Spong will be the first heavyweight fight for Alexander Usyk. What do you make of Usyk and his skills? And do you think it will transfer up to the heavyweight division?
11: I think he's a very dangerous fighter for the division. Um, the reason I say that is because of the skill level. You know, the skill level, the movement, southpaw, and uh, he's southpaw. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the heavyweight division. You know, being a unified champion. And the other division coming up, it's going to be good to see how he, um, you know, how he settles into the division.
3: Exciting time for all heavyweights. So many big names. You know, there's six, seven, eight of you guys oh, yeah. up at the top of the tree. Must be, you must be pinching yourself a little bit. Thank, thankful that this is the generation that you're a heavyweight contender because you know a couple of years ago there was only really one or two guys. Now there's an actual division. There's actual a buzz about the heavyweight oh, yeah. scene. The
11: division's firing at the moment, like you said. Uh, a while ago, a while ago, the division was dead, you know, and there was one or two guys taking over the division, and there was uh it started to get sort of a bit boring, and there wasn't a lot of interest, and a lot of people started going to the other weight divisions. Whereas now, there's so many of us out there that we can make big fights happen, and there's a lot more excitement. So I'm listen, like you said, I pinch myself. All right, I'm I'm part of the division. Let me make the most of it and give it everything I have.
3: Finally, Joe, just the prediction for Saturday night.
11: Fury, Fury's gonna take him out, maybe round two or three. I should place a bit, eh? I think
0: so.
3: We're in the right place <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah, Much appreciated. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. We're in Las Vegas. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete. Alongside me, this is all in association with BT Sport and BT Sport Box Office. Don't forget, you can get Fury versus Wallen in the early hours of Sunday morning on BT Sport Box Office. Get yourself stuck into it. And with that, what you're going to see, no doubt, It's quite a bit of conversation about lineal heavyweight championships. Now, for those that don't know too much about this, because boxing can get a little bit confusing with uh, all the alphabet belts that are knocking about. You've got WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF, and uh, that happens in every single weight category. And you've got champions that hold those belts in all these different weight categories. And it's very, very hard to come to some type of conclusion as to who is the man or woman in their respective classes. Now, you will also get in the heavyweight division this conversation about lineal champion. Uh, Tyson Fury, for most, is regarded as the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Doesn't hold a belt at this moment in time, but regarded as the lineal heavyweight champion. And what that means is that, going back in the the history of time, he is the man that beat the man that beat the man that beat the man. And on that list, you've got the likes of the Mike Tysons of this world and the Muhammad Ali's. So therefore, many class Tyson Fury as the heavyweight champion because he's the man that beat the man. However there are flaws to the lineal heavyweight championship because, as you know, many fighters move up and down in weight. It doesn't necessarily happen too often in uh, the heavyweight division, so maybe that argument doesn't come into it uh, necessarily. But when someone retires as the man, how can then... The man beat the man, because the man is no longer around. <laughs> and this is my uh, argument with it, because then who bestows the honour of being the man? For example, Vladimir Klitschko became the man. He didn't beat the man. No. This is getting confusing with me saying the man all the time. <laughs> um, but he didn't actually beat the man. What happened was, is that when there was a retirement, Lennox Lewis retired, all of a sudden then, Vladimir Klitschko is uh, bestowed as the man, and then Tyson Fury beats him. Yes. So he's actually... A the man who beat the man. He's not the man that beat the man that beat the man. <laughs> <laughs> it does get confusing, you, doesn't it? Can you
3: write this down on I a piece will. of paper, please? And I've no doubt way. there
2: are people listening to this right now going, what is Adam Cattrall going on about on this I've got show? I've no idea,
3: and I'm sitting next to you.
2: But that is, my, my, that is the best description I can give of lineal heavyweight championship. Terrible. Yes. It is flawed, <laughs> is my point. It is
3: flawed. It's absolutely <laughs> flawed. Of course it is. There's no true lineal heavyweight champion because of every reason you've just mentioned then. Also, obviously... <laughs> Very badly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, of course, you know, the... The introduction of new world title belts, you know, originally there was, there was one heavyweight championship of the world and then the WBC and WBA, IBF, WBO, you know, they all, they all pop up and disappear. And right now, you know, I think Lennox Lewis was the last undisputed heavyweight champion, but that was only three belts belts before they
2: actually recognized the WBO as the, as, as a major belt.
3: That's right. Of course. So, um, we understand why they're selling Tyson fury because listen you know this is heavyweight boxing this is the main event in Las Vegas Mexican bank holiday weekend they need a title attached to it and that's how they're selling Tyson fury let's be honest Tyson Fury should be the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Correct. He, he beat Deontay Wilder. I'm with you? He was robbed of that decision. Plus, so. he's,
2: he's never been beaten in the ring, so therefore exactly. the championships that he did hold when he was unified champion, Yeah. even though he did go on a little... Well, he lost to himself. And, yeah, he lost him to himself. He <laughs> lost
3: to himself, which forced him out of boxing. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his lifestyle and everything else got in the way. He achieved his dreams. He beat Klitschko in Germany. He ended the Klitschko era, became the undisputed champion. Um, but then he lost to himself. So he's on the, he's on the career comeback. I understand why people are billing Tyson Fury as the lineal heavyweight championship. Of course I do. But there's other guys out there. There's guys with belts. Okay, with more belts. And more of a claim potentially right, to number one spot.
2: Tyson Fury to one side then. Other weight categories where people can move up and down in weight. And obviously yeah. people will then retire and what have you. Who do you class? What belt? When you look at the, all the belts. Yes. When you see a particular champion that holds a particular belt. Yeah. Is there a particular one that stands out more than any other when you go, right, that's the guy?
3: WBC. So you look at the green Green and gold.
2: Gold. You look at the green and gold. Yes, that's the one. However, Right, well, you bring that up, and I know there's a green and gold belt on this fight at the weekend, which we had our pictures (laughs) taken with yesterday, the the, the Maya 2. Beautiful belt. It's a beautiful belt. It's a beautiful belt. Mexican gold,
3: Mexican jade. Yes. You know, we were talking to one of the guys that built it. Sensational. I'm in. Right. But well, on what, this, what to do on mate, this card? we have done so
2: many idea. different programmes, and we talked about WBC when they don't call mandatories and they have a different <laughs> ranking system, and then... I mean, Adonis Stevenson was the Cruiserweight Champion of the World. They didn't find it a mandatory challenger for five years. You know yeah. what I mean? So, it, so my argument is, is that that's flawed. I know that it's the prettiest, and it's probably got the prestige... There's a lot of fighters that hold it in the most prestigious, but is it... When you have that type of ranking system, can you class that particular champion as the man?
3: It's, it, you're right, and, but to be fair, all the organisations are flawed. They've all got issues... I think the, because the WBC, let's be honest, is the nicest looking belt outside of the British title. I still think the British title, yep. the Lonsdale belt, is the belt. And all due respect, I think the Ring Magazine belt, because of well, the Rocky movies, right. is the belt. It looks beautiful. Well, but in terms of winning a world title, ask any boxer, ask any young fighter coming through what their dream is. British fighters will say, British title, European title, world title. Which one? Nine out of ten will say WBC. Well...
2: You bring up the ring magazine belt there, right? And this is what I wanted there's to take There's not many this. of them knocking about. This is right, because many people might not know what that is. Now, in the Rocky Balboa movies, there's a particular belt that Rocky's always pictured with, and that is a, a, a ring magazine belt. And the ring magazine belt then defines who is the best in a particular division, because you can only win a ring magazine belt by fighting either you're either the number one in your division mm-hmm. or the number two in your division. And that is a yep. fight that comes together to distinguish who is the number one and number two in yes. the division, right? A la
3: Callum Smith versus George
2: Groves. Right. I think on, there's only six active fighters with a, a ring magazine belt at this moment in time. You can only lose that ring magazine belt by losing it in the ring or if you d- decide to retire and go on a little bit of a hiatus, as Tyson Fury did. So for me, if you've got a ring magazine belt, that holds more prestige than any other belt for me. Okay. Because of how you can win it, yeah. not everybody can get their hands on one. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So when I see someone with a ring magazine belt, I'm going, "That's the guy."
3: So who was the last heavyweight to hold a ring magazine belt?
2: Tyson Fury, wasn't it?
3: Exactly. So why are we not? It's never been, hasn't been contested since because we've never had number one against number two since Tyson had his spell away from the sport. Yeah. So why is this show not being billed as Tyson Fury? Ring Magazine champion because but you he, and I well were they in the scripts. industry
2: No, they, they took it off him because he went on a...
3: But no one's won it since so it's still...
2: So he's the last to hold it. I agree with he's that. He's the
3: last Ring Magazine heavyweight champion so we should be billing him as the Ring Magazine heavyweight champion. Is he still the number one for you? Uh, I think he is. Yeah? P- purely based on the fact that you know Anthony Joshua lost to Andy Ruiz uh, and I still believe that Andy Ruiz is a B-level fighter um, and I think if Anthony Joshua in December wins all those belts back, then I think Anthony Joshua goes back to number one. Maybe that's, maybe that's harsh on Andy Ruiz then. Maybe, maybe, maybe Andy Ruiz should be billed as number one because he's got the most of the belts. I'm not having that. No, uh, listen, my all rankings right now. My
2: top four. If you were putting a Ring Magazine belt on a heavyweight championship right now, which yeah. therefore has to be the number one and number two ranked fighters,
3: yeah. who are they? Fiori versus Deontay Wilder, part two in February.
2: I'd put a ring magazine belt on that.
3: I would, absolutely. But then, isn't that harsh on Andy Ruiz? Because he, prior to Andy Ruiz knocking out Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua was kind of universally recognised as the world number one in the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. d- despite what a great fight Fury and, and, and Wilder had first time around. So, are we not being harsh on Andy Ruiz? Not saying, well, he's got he, he beat the man. So why is Andy Ruiz not the number one? Mm. Because, because he looks like the Pilbury Doughboy. No,
2: because. I think if he, if he beats Anthony Joshua again, then you've got to have a serious conversation. But we've spoken about this on so many times. There's certain fighters that are just another fighter's kryptonite. Yeah. If Andy Ruiz then goes and beats Deontay Wilder, then of course... Okay, it's that, a, it's now a t- that's a different conversation. It's a totally different conversation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. There's plenty of fighters out there that have managed to come a, come across somebody and yeah. just have, have whatever it is to beat that particular guy.
3: And you know what? I think if Andy Ruiz can beat Joshua again in December, if that does happen, if lightning does strike twice... I think there's more chance of us seeing Deontay Wilder versus Ruiz early in the new year than Ruiz uh, than Wilder versus Fury 2. Just because that, that, the, the same management company, Al Heyman, look after both. And they'll want Deontay Wilder with all the belts before they go into any kind of second fight with Tyson Fury or even a potential showdown with Anthony Joshua. That's even if Anthony Joshua is still in the sport, if he gets beat by Andy Ruiz. and I, Actually, if he does lose to Andy Ruiz... I don't think we will see him in a sport anymore. Well, we, we were,
2: uh, I, I don't want to obviously, if my wife's listening to this, I, I was tucked up in bed by nine o'clock last night, but uh, we, we went out for a little bit of dinner and obviously the Warrens were out with us and loads of boxing journalists are out here and we've had these conversations off, off the radio with, mm-hmm. with so many different people and there is, there was a lot of chat about Anthony Joshua. But everybody was talking very, very positively of where they believe Joshua is at this moment in time. That's true. Because we've seen, obviously, the press conferences, we've seen the way that he's acting, the way way that he's talking, the way that he's carrying himself. And it seems, I mean, we're going to find out in December, but it seems like there's a bit of the old Anthony Joshua there. You know what I mean? The The guy that burst onto the scene, the kid off the street that just wants to take your head off. Yeah. And we need to see that, don't we? Everybody last night when we were talking about how we think the second fight might play out, Frankie himself even jumped on and said, you can't box this kid, don't box him, don't stand at range, you've got to jump on him yeah. and jump on him early. Yeah. And and finish the kid He's basically what he was saying. You've Get got to be as there. aggressive as he used to be.
3: Yeah. Get him out of there, feed him that jab, and then start feeding him right hands. That's what AJ's got to do, and I think that's what they absolutely will be working on in this camp. Um, I think it's wrong to say that Ruiz is too small for him, his hands are too fast, everything else. Listen... I go back to what I said before the fight even took place. Regardless of the man standing in front of him, if Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight on the planet, it shouldn't matter what shape, what size, how tall, how long, how fast his hands are. It shouldn't matter what the, heavywe- what the guy in front of him brings. If you're the number one, you can beat anybody. And right now, I look at the heavyweight division, and I see how to beat Deontay Wilder. I see how to beat, now, because there's a blueprint, I see how to beat Anthony Joshua. I see you know a lot of ways to beat and do is the one guy i don't see a way to beat is tyson fury i think tyson fury is the toughest oppo- opponent opponents for any heavyweight in the world right now just because he is his footwork is so good his ring iq is just off the charts he doesn't waste any energy he knows how to win rounds and that's so important in a division where people are swinging for the fences and one fight one punch can, can end everything tyson fury knows how to win a rounds knows how to rack up rounds and knows how to embarrass opponents and you know it, it's incredible his ability as a boxer is so undervalued by i think a lot of fans who and we've we've done it in the past oh, on the and gone if Tyson was half as entertaining in the ring as he is out of it, you know, he'd be absolutely fucking sensational. be absolutely sensational. Um, but that's not how he wins fights. That's not how Tyson Fury goes about his business.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, well, it all goes down. In the early hours of uh, Sunday morning, Tyson Fury taking on Otto Wallen, uh for the lineal, Heavyweight Championship of the World, even <laughs> whatever I, that means. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, do stick with us. There's plenty more to come. You listen to Fight Night from Las Vegas, all in association with BT Sport. That fight, by the way, that I've just mentioned, goes down on BT Sport Box Office. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is it. The time has come. Fight Night: Fury vs. Valin Preview on Talk Sport. All the build-up ahead of Tyson Fury's showdown with Otto Valin, live from Las Vegas, with Adam Catterall and Nick Pete on Talk Sport. Oh.
2: This is Fight Night on TalkSport. We're in Las Vegas for Fury versus Wildin. BT Sport Box Office is the place that you can watch this in the early hours of Sunday morning. Now, earlier on this week, there was a press conference in London to announce a card on October 26th which sees the super lightweight division being unified. One person's not quite happy about not being top of the bill and being pipped by the smaller men. Our boy, Gareth A. Davis, was in attendance at that press conference and he stuck microphones in people's faces.
12: Thanks, Adam. It turned out to be quite the eventful press conference in London on Monday as Chisora delivered an expletive-laden rant in objection to the fight, supporting Josh Taylor, Regis Progre, World Super Lightweight Unification Bout. He really did... Kick off at the dais, and he pretty much owned the press conference. People were unhappy with him, but people were also quite amused with him. It was typical, Derek Chisora. I did manage to grab a quick word with War himself, War Chisora, just as he was trying to sneak out of the presser, and this is what he had to say.
4: I'm disappointed, but you know what? Well, we're going to sort it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, but you stole the press
12: conference today with that. You just wanted to stand up for yourself because you felt like the mickey was being taken out
0: of you. I mean, me of me man. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah.
12: Well, let's hope we do see you on the Saturday night against Joseph Parker, October the 26th, because everybody wants to see that fight. Yeah, everybody will see that fight if they come with the right money. If they don't, we're not going to do it. So you're off to see, uh, off to see Eddie Hearn now and get this mm-hmm. straightened out. We'll yeah. See the
5: man with massive cheque. Okay, thank you.
12: I then caught up with the World Boxing Super Series promoter Kala Sauerland after Chisora took aim at him during the presser and he told me it was all good fun and publicity. I
13: promoted Del for a few years, and it's all good, all good, all in the name. I think uh, you know the heavyweights will be a great WBSS. will be a great WBSS at heavyweights. I've said that many times, but it's a lot of politics and a lot of money required to do that. And and, and maybe just as a union
12: guy, almost a boxy, was just kind of felt like he needed to stand up for himself there. To, you know, to get the to get what what exactly to get more money to get to be the head of the. To be on the top of the cards. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. it was a surprising thing. No, I don't think anyone was expecting that at the press conference, but he's just speaking
13: out for himself. Yeah, it's, that's fine. He can speak up. There's no problem with that. I've, I have promoted Dell for two years. I know Dell in and out. You know, I've done uh, at least 10, 12, 13 fights with Dell. Uh, I've sat next to Dell when he's thrown a table. I've been with <laughs> Dell, uh, lost one, uh, promoted him in four or five countries. So I, I know exactly what Dell's about. And you're confident that we will have him on that I wouldn't quite night. call Dell a union man, though. <laughs> union is generally for the people, and, and you know, Dell's for Dell, Del, which is fine, because it's, it's boxing, and they, they have one career. It's maybe the, the place. I think you'll have a chat now with, with Eddie, because I think that negotiation maybe didn't have to happen on a, at a press conference. But it is what it is. Anyways, we're delighted. We've got a we've got a great main event. And well, let's uh, talk
12: about that main event very quickly. Yeah. Regis Progre is against Josh Taylor. Potentially, the fight of the year on British yeah. shores. Absolutely. In terms yeah. of the matchup,
13: potentially it could be fight of the year on any shore. Um, Gareth, you've seen enough boxing live um, to, to know to know what, what what's the makings of a super fight is. And these guys, look at the records, look at the people they've taken a beat here uh, to come here. This weight class, anyway, it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, we saw Hooker Ramirez recently, great fight, but this one is even better. And this is an incredible, incredible fight to promote, and we can't wait to do it.
12: Was there any fear at any point that you weren't going to get the Regis Progre attendance no. in the final? I mean, there seemed to be some things going on with him and Luta Bella, as promoter, but yeah.
13: it just needed something, wrinkles needed smoothing? Or Gareth, you've been around this sport long enough to know that there's no fight, big fight, big fight like this without certain issues. It's ways of doing things, ways... But you do things, and I do things, and they do things. You know, everyone's different. But I didn't like the way they went. Tried to try to go about it. It was uh, some very uh, You think very they were trying to force It was the fastest or? lawsuit, which which didn't, wasn't really a lawsuit ever in history. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, it was a the way they tried to force things. But they they when when they they punched, they got a, a punch back, and then they quickly were back in. Well, that's great. It's a great final. We can't wait to see it. Thank you very much, Gareth. So, with all that going
12: on, it would have been easy to forget that the press conference was actually for Josh Taylor, Regis Progre, for the World Super Lightweight Unification title. Yes, for the number one spot in the division and the Ring Magazine belt. But I did speak to Taylor after the conference where he began by telling me that he was looking forward to the clash immensely.
9: Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a real great fight. I mean, there definitely is uh, a bit of respect for there. probably is a good guy outside the ring. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be too friendly yeah. before the fight. Um, things he says, the way he acts on camera, things he says, it's kind of what's making me want to sort of take his head off. Um, and... Uh, i am going to take his head off i really do believe that i will i mean that's quite friendly and a wee bit of jivey here and there but he is only one or two words away from me like clicking and and, and going for him so, so i think closer to the fight um i'll be a wee bit i'll be less friendly and a bit more a bit more in fight mode
12: well it's good to hear that you've got your metal then because he he's kind of not under your skin but he's got you on the balls of your feet, kind of thing, and you know, I know that they've
9: got me on the balls of my feet. I'm just ready for a fight. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just ready for a fight. I'm ready to go. Um, I've been wanting to fight this guy for a for a while now. He's, he's sort of he started of comment, started commenting on my things on social media uh, about two years ago now, um, and I says, listen, don't worry. Your time, your will cross and uh, it's here so yeah it's good I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'm, I'm super excited for it it's No, nobody's under masking I'm just uh, I'm excited
12: we are as well I think it is going to be the fight of the year on British shores cannot wait
9: yeah I can't wait you know it's, it's, it's a big fight two best of uh, fighters in the division I believe and uh, we're going to we're going to you know Rough it out and see who's the, the, the top man.
12: And the Ring Magazine belt does that mean a lot as well, yeah, as well great. as the Ali Trophy? Yeah,
9: agree. There's a whole lot of silverware to go to go there. Um, the Ring Magazine, I never thought I'd box for that. Um, it's usually only massive, massive, massive fights that get it. You know, the big, huge names in the sport that fight for that kind of belt. And to be fighting for that is another uh, box ticked and you know another dream come true. So it's going to look good um, in the living room I, once I beat them.
12: Regis Progre then told me how he feels the UK is the number one place to host major boxing events now, and that he can't wait to get his hands
4: on Josh Taylor. I actually think it's the best place right now. This is, for me, the UK is the best place to have the fight. Um, it's a dream come true to be fighting in London, fighting at the O2. All this stuff is like, you know, it for me, it's like a, a, just a dream come true. And I'm just, I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Like, I wish the fight was like, you know, it was closer, um, but...
12: Oh, you can't wait for it? Like, you wish it wasn't all those weeks away?
4: Yeah, I mean, I do, because I do need to train and get in more shape and stuff, but as far as, like, mentally, I'm so ready for this fight, like, because it's just, it's a huge fight, and I just, um, just just to be, you know, in this position at this early in my career, pay-per-view over here, oh, man, this is, you know, this history, and I'm, I'm a part of this, and I'm just loving every second of it.
12: You'll be training for the fight in Los Angeles, though, yeah?
4: Yeah, I, I, three, three-part, uh, L.A., Houston, and then I come here. Okay, what's, what's happening off? in yeah. Houston then? Um, I mean, we just go out there for the weather. Basically, it's real, really, really, really hot and humid, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where we go to Houston. That's, um, my, my trainer's, his gym is out there, so I go over there too. And that's kind of why s- everything started at in Houston for me. I'm from New Orleans, but everything started you know, in Houston for, as far as boxing goes.
12: I know that you're down on record, and you always tell everyone what a historian of boxing you are, and you're a student of the game, mm-hmm. and you know a lot about history. The ring magazine belt must mean a lot as
4: well as mm-hmm. the L.E. trophy the because thing. that is the big thing, is it? The Bible the, of boxing. Yeah, I mean, it's the Bible of boxing, man. It's the biggest thing. It's not, it's not, um, it's not bought basically. You know, all the other belts and stuff is they're, they're, they're belts that's bought that's can be paid for that's that has um a little bit of maybe you can say corruption, maybe Politrix. politics, politics, ba- politics, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but the ring is not. The ring is who they think is the best you know without you know without all the politics mm. and stuff like that the ring magazine is who they pick as the you know the exact the best fighter so to have that belt it's only a few fighters in history get that belt get that chance and to have that is like you know is is, is very special you know and um i think you know it's it's starting you know it's the start of my legacy basically undefeated you're going to fight for the
12: undisputed title in the division 140 pounds it's an amazing division Mm -hmm. you know it's had the Mayweathers the Pacquiao's all these guys just in recent history Regis um there's a little bit of beef between you and Mr. Taylor from Scotland, isn't there?
4: Of course, I mean, it's, I don't think it's I don't think it's beef. I think we always, you know, we're going to go back and forth, you know, we're we both very be...
12: fast talking, fast thinking, Exactly. You? You
4: know? I, I think all of, all of, all of the UK fighters are, you know, y'all all a lot of people, you know, fast talkers and I'm a fast talker too. So, you know, it's it's always going to be like, you know, fast talking a lot of comebacks and stuff like that and um yeah, I mean it's it's not beef, but you know, we can't be real friendly with each other. We we gotta fight, you know, we have to fight and then after the fight, then you know, we'll go, you know, go where we can or whatever. Yeah. But. on the undercard of this
12: night, Lawrence Sacoli is in action as he takes on Eve Nagabu for the European cruiserweight title. Yep, he's after the triple crown. He's had the British, he's got the Commonwealth. And also, of course, now he wants the European title. He's going the old traditional route. He told me, though, that he's ready for this step up against a very tough fighter from across the channel.
0: Yeah, he looks like a solid, strong guy. Uh, He looks quite big for the weight, so he's probably got a bit to drop now. Um, Same as myself. So we're going to have some fun in seven weeks. Um... How important is it for you to get the Triple Crown, the British uh, Commonwealth and the European title at Cruiserweight? Extremely. Uh, I, I'm really doing it for the picture. Obviously, it's good to get experience and all that stuff, but I just want a picture on my Instagram with all the belts.
12: And then you're saying that you're going to go up to world title then um, by the end of next year, yeah, by the definitely. end of 2020?
0: Oh, maybe even before that. I just feel like N'Gabu is what like a, he's ranked number 10 in the Ring magazine, um, European champ. So... After that, as long as I'm able to win well, the next step up is maybe a former world champion, maybe someone that came up short in the World Super Series. And then if I'm able to get through that test again, we go for you know a vacant world title or um, one of the lesser, if you can call them that, um, champions. And then um, I can go to Olympic Games um, as a world champion. Is that what you're intending to
12: do, go yeah. to the Olympic Games again?
0: That's my aim. Not, not to box, but to um, go there and just you know motivate the GB boys, say, hey, guys you can do it.
12: Oh, so you want to be in Tokyo next year yeah. for the team to motivate them yeah, with a world, a world title? title. In. that's
0: my 100% aim, yeah. all the, like British, Commonwealth, European, it's good, but I feel like a world title is the crown jewel. Say, so, hey, listen, man, within three or four years, I managed to do it. So, yeah, I'm on it. So we're set for a
12: fantastic night of boxing at the O2 on October the 26th. On the undercard, of course, there is a fantastic fight between three-weight world champion, the only one from Scotland ever, Ricky Burns, and the Welsh wizard himself, the Welsh Mayweather, Lee Selby. That's going to be a fantastic fight at 135 lightweight. Cannot wait for one of the stacked cards of the year. Parker wasn't there on the night, Joseph Parker, but of course, he's facing Derek Chisora. Cannot wait for this event.
0: There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there, they're all living, the devil may care, and I'm just a devil with no spare,
8: so viva Las Vegas, viva
4: Las Vegas.
2: you listen to Fight Night from Las Vegas, this is Talk Sport, I'm Adam and Nick Pete alongside me. Thank you very much Don McGuinness, that was a really interesting listen over the last half an hour um, with his uh, take on uh, women's fighting and where it, he, he believes it's going to be going over uh, the next few years or so. If you missed any part of that, it will be available uh, on our podcast, Fight Night. You're looking uh, on iTunes and you can get it on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. This show, by the way, being brought to you all in association with BT Sport Box Office, Tyson Fury in action in the early hours of the morning against Otto Wallen. You can get it on BT Sport Box Office. Make sure you tune on in. Uh, and I think that uh, leaves us to, uh, to kind of conclude... Uh, our, our week in Las Vegas as we head now to the T-Mobile Arena for the fight. But I just wanted to touch upon a couple of other things that were brought up this week. Fight being announced. Uh, the official announcement of Canelo taking on Sergei Kovalev. Uh, the date for that is November the 2nd. Viva Las Vegas Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. Canelo going at it again. Jumping up the weights. This is a guy that is naturally... Well, I don't even know what his natural weight is. He's a guy that obviously... World Champion at... Uh, Uh, junior middleweight as they call it out here at 154 pounds but then he seems to have made a home at 160 pounds and now he's going up uh, again and again where he's already won one at super middleweight and now he's having a crack at
3: uh, light heavy yeah the um, big news out of it really is the fact that the fight will take place at championship weight, it will be at 175 pounds, there's a lot of talk that it might be done at a catch weight more nearer to 172 or something but absolutely not the fight is being made at 175 Kovalev can can weigh in Uh, from what I'm hearing there's no Rehydration clause exactly because I know obviously when Canelo Alvarez stepped up to 168 pounds super middleweight to take on Rocky Field in in New York uh, Rocky Field and part of the contract was that he had a rehydration clause he could only put on I think it was an extra five pound in between the weigh-ins and the fight itself uh, and they were quite strict on that too and it kind of you know I'm not saying that changed the changed the end result but it certainly you know, impinged on what Rocky Fielder would usually do to rehydrate after the weigh-in. So the fact that that hasn't been highlighted, that doesn't seem to be an issue either. It feels like Team team Kovalev have actually kind of got what they wanted against Canelo. They're going to have all the natural size advantages. But I think anybody that watched... I've seen Kovalev in the last 12 to 18 months, certainly against Anthony Yard. He's not the fighter he once was. He's not the guy that you know pushed Andre Ward right to the end. You know A lot of people thought he, first he beat fight. Andre Ward yeah. in the first fight. He was sensational. He's not the same fighter he once was. And I think the timing here for Canelo Alvarez to become a four-weight world champion mm. um, is absolutely perfect. Not only has he become a four-weight world champion, if he beats Kovalev, but arguably Kovalev is still the biggest, well, Alvarez. Kovalev is the biggest store in the light heavyweight division.
2: Well, you say that because there's a light heavyweight super fight that has been made. We're going to get to that in a minute. But just seeing as that this is Mexican independence weekend and we're talking about Canelo, because this is normally his weekend. We, we were expecting to see Canelo fight this weekend. Obviously, yeah. that all fell through. And now we're going to get to see him taking on uh, Sergey Kovalev on, in, in November. Out, out of all the great Mexican fighters, and don't get me wrong, we could be here all night talking about great Mexican fighters. If he wins a championship in a fourth weight category, where does
3: that put him? It puts him right up there with the, you know, the, the true superstars of, of Mexican boxing, of course. What the about the guy that looks Hoyas. after him? Yeah, yeah the, the Oscar Morales, De La Jolla, yeah. the, you know, Chavez, all these guys, Barrera. Barrera you know, he, he's certainly got to be put in the same. You know, Marquez, he's got to be in, ranked in the same, in the same area of of, of all those guys. Um,
2: Who's the man at the moment,
3: Chavez Senior? Chavez Sr., absolutely the man at the moment. Probably then Oscar de la Hoya in terms of what he did uh, moving through the weight divisions, but also becoming like a, a global pay-per-view star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up really watching the Barrera-Morales uh, <laughs> head-to-heads and obviously throw Marquez in there as well for three or four fights. So uh, a real golden age of, of Mexican fighting. And you know, right now there's there's so many strong Mexican talented athletes just behind Canelo as well, but... It, kind of feels the world's in the right place when the biggest draw in the sport are Mexican. You can just sense with Mexican fight fans that they, they feel like when there's a Mexican at the top of the tree, all is well in the world <laughs> of boxing. Uh, and, and this listen, this absolutely takes Canelo to another level. It's going to be a huge, huge event on November the 2nd, but it's a busy old day in fight sports period, isn't
2: it? Yeah, because obviously on that same day, that is UFC 244. Darren Till in action in New York City against Calvin Gastelum, uh, And then you've also got a certain Mr. Nate Diaz having a little bit of a rock and roll. I can't tell you what belt they're fighting for because we'll get taken off there, but it's the BMF F. belt. All right, make of that what you will uh, against Jorge Masvidal. That's on November the 2nd. I just mentioned a moment or two ago there's a super fight that's been made in the light heavyweight division. We're obviously uh, in Las Vegas. There was a, a press conference yesterday held by Top Rank, and they were announcing title fight after title fight after title fight. We knew that this fight was going to happen. It's just nice to see the confirmation of it now. Uh, Gvodic versus Viterbiev. Wow, wow, wee The light heavyweight division... <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
3: I know I, wah, wah, wee, wah. I, I know there's i hope that's the name of the fight I it should w- be i hope that's all over the posters. the wow wow we govodzik versus batirbiev wow wow we well that's what if you're a proper boxing fan <laughs>
2: you've seen that announced and you probably made that sound wow <laughs> wow <wah, wee>, <laughs> because it's a hell of a fight i know they're not famous and i know that there's people listening to this going never heard of uh, batirbiev never heard of Govodzik. never mm-hmm. heard of him right but trust me this is Will be unbelievable. Um, a little bit of news actually that has come out of this week. Top ranker moving to uh, the UK. You were just talking to Frank about it earlier on.
3: And Bob. Bob was talking about it earlier yeah, on too. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, should people be worried? Because he's got a twinkle in his eye as uh, as uh, Mr. Aram, hasn't he? I know that we obviously billed a couple of weeks ago. Listen, get on the Lomachenko train. He's never coming back to the UK. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> yeah. He's probably coming back two or three more times now. <laughs> exactly. As yeah, is yeah. Terence Crawford.
3: Yeah. He's gonna, it's his home home venue now with the O2 Arena in London, if, if Bob had his how, way.
2: how funny is it, though, that... Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, for example, seem to be focusing a lot in the United States of America and bringing a lot yeah. of their fighters over here. And Bob's gone,
3: well, all right, then, if you're coming over here, I'm going to come to your patch and I'm going to set up shop over there. Exactly. Bob that has been putting on fights for, what, 60 years? Yeah. Uh, suddenly decides to come over to the UK. But as he explained earlier in the show, it's purely down to the fact that the American home audience enjoyed the Lomachenko fight being on Saturday afternoons here on this side of the Atlantic, even though it was late at night down in London. The TV network enjoyed it espn plus got real good uh viewing figures for that fight and they basically said to bob listen get back over to the uk and let's do some more shows and bob adam being bob adam has thought yeah absolutely why not and uh you know we had a bit of a joke with frank about it frank's not too worried um listen there's enough to go around isn't it i mean you've got a star like lomachenko i think every british fight Vi- fan should be welcoming top rank with open arms because if lomachenko wants to make the o2 home or the Liverpool Echo Arena, ah, even better. there you are. There then he's uh, more than welcome to. Yes, please.
2: You'll put him up, won't you? No need for an odd sell. Not a problem. Nickel took him in. Stay in our back room. <laughs> uh, listen, thank you very much for listening to us. Hope you've enjoyed the show uh, that we brought to you from uh, Las Vegas this week. It's all in association with BT Sport Box Office. Don't forget Tyson Fury versus Otto Wallen goes down in the early hours of the morning. So if you're staying up, do so. Get on BT Sport and uh, come and enjoy the fight. Uh, this show will be available on a podcast for you. Talksport.com is the website for that, and you can get it on iTunes. We will be back next week. In the safe comfort of our studio. We've been on the road too much. Abu Dhabi, Las Vegas, let's get back to London. It's all happening next week, right here on Talksport.